Welcome to Every Album Ever with Mike and Alex. My name is Michael Masur, and I'm joined, as always, by my trusty, handy, prepared-as-all-hell co-host, Alexander Voltz. Say hello. Hello. This is Every Album Ever, the podcast we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That's a whole new discography per episode. Uh, and if there was a gigantic discography, then multiple-parted episodes like this one. And today, what will we dis- what will be what will we be discussing? We'll be co- we'll be doing our second episode on the band Swans. Swans, Swans. Check out the first part if you haven't already. We recovered years. <laughs> Which years were those? Eighty-two to ninety? No, eighty-two to eighty-six. There we go. So we'll be doing eighty-seven to ninety-six today. The, the and like the, the a band like Swans is one that I. I I uh, appreciate, obviously I'm a big fan we, and we talked all about my fandom, uh, our fandom in the first episode, but uh, because the eras of this band are so cut and dry, mm-hmm. like that that first episode is just the band is the most brutal, insane, crazy, As psychotic. And then this one is like the really moody, darky, darky, moody, goth, gothy, dark era with uh, with Jarbo, you know, being uh, you know a mm-hmm. prominent part of the whole thing, and then the last part is the reunion. Yeah, it's, it's so easy. It was. I was thinking about that. I was like, uh, Mike did a good job about uh, sectioning off these. Uh, it, the band did a good job. It, yeah, sectioning themselves. <laughs> but also, uh, he, for those who didn't see the first part, we are big fans. Um, been uh, fans of Swans for a very, very, very long time. Yes, Mike's probably wins longer than me but i started at a young age very young i was in middle school i believe when i i found them the brutal stuff and then i i obviously just progressed the the way you do um mm-hmm. literally from the earliest stuff on to where they are now but I, this era is my most neglected swans era because it's so overwhelming when i got into them because i went down this like rabbit hole of like getting into like sludge and stoner metal which led me to neurosis the band not literal neurosis that's eh, questionable it, it is question if you're listening to that band you, you might have it um which is overwhelming in itself which then led me to swans so yeah. it's like i've always picked bits and pieces and i have albums that i've neglected and um it's really nice just to to put a big rubber stamp on the whole thing and be like i feel well versed in all their albums yeah uh how familiar are you with this era uh i would say like three albums three albums yeah i might have been you know what? Three for me as well. Yeah. Uh, two that I listened to uh, a lot, and then another two. No, it was something was four for me, mm-hmm. and then another two that I only heard a couple times. Yeah. And I, the other ones, I um, I, I think I maybe haven't heard at all. There's only six that we're covering, but they're all they're Swans albums, so they're really, really big. There's one really big one, uh, and this is a. And there's one that's not streaming. I don't know about the. The physical oh, release, right? Of yeah, it. there's one that's not streaming, and it has been a nightmare. That album, it makes sense why it's not streaming. It makes perfect sense, but uh, it's a whole complicated thing. It's always been hard to find. Ever mm. since I was a kid, I couldn't find. I was I looked for that album. Yeah, um, but you you can find it somewhere. <laughs> Is it on YouTube? Uh, I didn't check. Let's, I went, let's check. Right I now. went about other means. 
Okay, it's on YouTube, so it's you can YouTube. you can find it there, um, thankfully. But uh, yeah, most neglected, neglected era. But that's why I was. I think I was the most excited mm-hmm. to do this part of of Swans, uh, even though I you know I've listened to the, the other stuff a ton. It's it's also so crazy how this episode and the second episode are the first one and this one. This one, like that was it for a long time. And then long time. And then just because of our age, I we're just spoiled where like we've had a pretty consistent output from the band. Pretty much. Uh, well, I mean, they were broken up when I discovered them for a long time. Yeah. And then when they reunited, I was like, no way. Like, really? No, mm-hmm. no way. That's, okay. Um, and obviously, I like that stuff very but much. The but the reunion's been... It's been it's been a joy for fans. It's yeah, been like yeah. Man, yeah, for sure. But uh for this era, uh the darkest, <laughs> darkest and most fucked up. Maybe not the most uh brutal, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still uh extremely upsetting and taxing. And there is so much that will fuck up your day if you're not prepared for this kind of band. This is said it in the first part, I'll say it a million times. This is one of the most important bands in the world. It's one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, easily in my top five most influential bands to me personally. Uh, Michael Jura is just, uh, without like sounding like a, a weird psychotic fanatic, uh, he's just a real artist who just keeps doing what's interesting or, or what hasn't been done for himself. And seems to suffer a lot in the process at least financially like just always doing what he finds interesting rather than what will help mm-hmm. anybody <laughs> anybody he seems to fucking burn every bridge that he comes across uh, apparently a very hard guy to work with but i under not, not only do i understand it but i kind of condone it like if you want a thing to be a certain way and that's the only way to get it to communicate it is by making these weird, vague, conceptual, uh, I don't know, uh, demands. And and like you see the, the band members being like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then a fight starts. But it's, I mean, you're trying to convey a feeling in your head. And it's that's really fucking hard to do. He might be the biggest dictator out of all the bands we've covered. I, what Easily in the top, we, yeah. Yeah, we've covered a lot of... A lot of controlling people in music and yeah, easy, not even top five, top three. Easy. Yeah. He's up there. He's yeah. The thing is, it's like, uh, you, you get like the controlling dictator types, but they always seem like dickhead maniacs. He never, even though he's like adamant and mean and obviously difficult to work with sometimes he never struck me as like, a mean guy it's just he's trying to convey something that can't be conveyed and that's like something as conceptual as like a mood or a feeling especially when it pertains to music how the fuck do you there's no words for that and and like they do something and you're like down more like and it doesn't make any sense when you put words to it but like if you want to be that you have to keep running into that wall also as we've covered about his childhood uh, he's a little fucked up he's, little fucked. he seems to actively choose the hardest route yeah uh i'm so it sounds like i'm just defending all his horrible actions he does a horrible like he's, he's like legitimately like done some awful stuff and he's like a yeah he had a bad drinking problem but uh i'm not defending that i'm defending the, the 
fuck it, I defend that too. People go through this, through this shit and they grow out of it. But I find it more interesting. I find his story interesting and the story of swans extremely interesting. And like the, the bad memories that stuck with it, uh, how much they loved the whole thing so much to just put up with extreme poverty and verbal abuse and not just from from zero but just from from like the audiences and stuff it's just it's fascinating it's fascinating and it's it's inspiring in an artistic level uh but we have a lot to talk about i can only imagine how long this episode is yeah we do uh but we're covering six albums total, which equal out to about 30 hours of music. Uh, I'm exaggerating, of course. First album of uh, this era came on 1987, last one 1996, very obviously, like we said at the, the front. But there's a lot to, to catch up on. So our, our, our boy Tom Osmond, who does all our history, uh, him and I bonded over Swans some time ago. And this is the first thing he wrote in his notes. There are a lot of notes, by the way, but the first thing you wrote is the following is me doing my best not to go overboard with the notes on an episode of my favorite era of music by anyone ever. <laughs> so there it is. He's equally passionate. He's more passionate. Uh, like out of the, the three of us, the, he is the guy for this. He can have it. <clears throat> it's just so much here. There's so much here. Uh, so first and foremost, where we left off on part one was Holy Money. Holy Money and was it the uh, Screw EP? Probably the wackiest of of recording. <laughs> the whole yeah, the Screw EP was pretty crazy. Uh, Holy Money was also crazy. I really, I mean, love all those albums, but that one, uh, yeah, it, it ended that era, so to speak, on a, on a high note. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, Jira almost <clears throat> almost dissolved the band after that, and then was a. Uh, Put in put in check by Bargerbo saying, "Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna stay with a quitter. If you if you if you break this up, I'm, we're we're done here." She is incredible. Yeah, she incredible. Because um, I only watched half the documentary. What is it called again? I don't recall. But, uh, where does the body end? It, it. By the way, I I watched the whole thing. It is two hours and forty minutes. Seek it out if you. If you can handle it, <laughs> oh, if, but go on. If you're in America, it's on Tubi, very limited commercials. It's and it's uncensored. It's yeah. it should be. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of that we covered, but her her like passion for music and the band was just like unmatched. Like what? Like this? She she's one of the few people who can say she got to join her favorite band. Yeah. A, a, a real fucking ride or die, dude. Yeah. I mean, I mean holy shit. The, and she put up with a, a lot of shit. She put up with so much. So it's obvious like, yeah, her, her and, and, and Jero were, were a relationship and all kinds of stuff that came with that, with them living in, in the bunker, which we talked about in the first part, which is not a very, habitable place shithole absolute shithole on the uh was it the lower east side but in the or the 80s was it the i don't i get my sections it, in new york was it lower i think it was lower east side. i forget you know I, but it was the village might even be in the lower no, the village east is, is, isn't yeah okay um but uh yeah so the, the living the shithole and, and then the the poverty and then obviously with a guy like jira he's very I mean, at least musically, he was pretty like harsh, mm-hmm. uh, but they did bring a ton out of each other. Like she, she's the reason uh, he started singing like 
and, and on, especially on those um those last couple albums, um, Holy Money and Greed, where he started vocalizing more instead of just screaming it through his throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from that on, we get who he is now. We get these all these albums where he's a fucking full on bass crooner type. Um, or some sort of <clears throat> gothy industrial cowboy. Yeah, a very deep <laughs> voice. I mean, he's a, it's a cool voice, uh, but it's ah oh, man, it's just such depressing music. <laughs> so Tom pulled a bunch of notes uh, from that that Swan's books, uh, "Sacrifice and Transcendence: The Oral History" by Nick Soulsby, which I still I, I if I don't buy it after we're done recording this episode, then I, I might as well just be useless because. <laughs> um, I need to read that book. It's very fascinating. He also pulled uh, an interview with Jarbeau from 1998. And yeah, this is a... So already Tom starting out these notes, just so fucking upsetting. I mean, it's so fucking upsetting. So there's one of the the things that... I mean, there's a lot of relationship problems between Jarbeau and and Jira. And the, the one that's in... like super duper documented is the song you see through me from Jura's uh, solo record Drainland. And I haven't heard the whole thing, but I have heard the song and it is, it's a beautiful song. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful song. It is so fucked up. It is there. Cause there's a recording of Jarbo. Jarbo recorded their conversation of when he was drunk and she was saying she was worried about him drinking too much and it didn't go that well. I am sh- shocked. Oh my. So hey, Tom <laughs> requested that we read this. Obviously with me as Jira, because we have the same first name uh, and you as Jarbo. Okay. It's pretty fucked up. All right. Want to do a little role play? Let's. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know about role play, but Here, well, I'll read it. Here I'll, we go. Here I'll, we go, baby. Some acting. Here we go. I think I like acting better. Here we go. <laughs> Let's say I make $100,000 a year. Are you still going to go drinking at the bar every night? Let's say this. You don't make anything, which you don't. You make no money. I sure do pay income taxes. You make no money whatsoever. You get the money so we can eat. Okay. Can you pay my mother the $46 that you spent on her telephone? And by the way, when you were down there, I took really good care of you. I worked really hard taking good care of you. How much is that worth? I don't think you can put a price on that. Okay. $200. All right. Do you love me at all, Michael? No. (laughs) (laughs) And, and and that's the song. Like it's obviously it's, uh, it's, it's within an actual song. You hear the recording and it's just uh, gut wrenching. And they, they even talk about that, that song on the, uh, in the documentary, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, I forgot who it was. It's, it's, it was one member of Swans. I, for, I forget his name. He was, I mean, no member was there for that long, but he was there briefly. And he, he said, <laughs> he's like, that, that, that is like one, like you don't hear too many artists doing that to themselves where, cause that's just a, a an excerpt. The whole conversation, he is I horrific. That's how, that's the tip of the iceberg insanity. Dude. In the car, he's like, he's like, fuck you. It's your problem, not mine. Fuck you. How, how about you shut up? Shut up. Fuck you. It's like, Jesus, dude. Fuck. And he put these like, listen, dude, I fucking suck. Here you go. I've I've ended relationships for less. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little thing called self-worth. <laughs> Let me uh, just say before we get too into this, too, in the documentary, 
my fa- my favorite character that I saw in this, I don't know if he was German or uh, British. Lixa? The guy who looks like the fucking penguin. Don't. He's a fucking legend, dude. <laughs> I I can't pronounce his name because he's a he's German, but I had no idea who this man was before this documentary. Yeah, you fucking do. That's Blixit from Nick Even the Bad Seeds and, oh, and Neubotten. Okay, Noi Neubotten. Okay, yeah, he's a, he's fucking incredible. That's uh, the man. Okay, yeah, he's the fucking man, but he's like dressed like the penguin in this documentary. He looks like Peter Lore, and yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. They were fucked up. I I was serving drinks. I took that picture. Yeah. He, doesn't he not look like Peter Lorre? <laughs> he kind of, he kind of does. <laughs> a less fucked up version, and for a, sure. uh, especially the one with the like top top hat, hat, yeah, uh, in a an alternative universe where uh, Peter Lorre has played the penguin. He's got like a big, big like furry yeah. He, cut. he was dressed quite penguin esque. I'm, I'm yeah. saying that, but it was also very smooth. I would totally dress like that if I had access to a wardrobe. That like guy's. So fascinating. Um, I can't wait till we do an episode on, on them um, because that's been requested in office and it's also like a really important band. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy's an interesting dude. Uh, apparently, he's got a bit of an anger problem and he doesn't like, he doesn't have a great sense of humor oh, so- and he blows up a lot on people and it, it's quite funny. <laughs> Someone who hangs out with swans has an anger problem? <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, I mean, and also Nick Cave. Uh, and I think that's how he quit. The bad seeds. I think he blew up on yeah. Nick Cave, and he's like, "Fuck this!" and he just walked out, um, which is fascinating. Also, but that dude's rad. Yeah, he's in the in the dock. Um, it's a really fucking good dock, actually. It's just it's extremely thorough, but it's it is also two hours and forty minutes. If it was any shorter, I'd be pissed off. And even though I didn't finish it because it's swans, so much like their albums, they are hard to finish if you're not fully invested from from the onset. Um, but Let's go back to some backstory. Uh, so around here, um, he was on earlier albums, uh, Algis Kizzy's, Algis Kizzy's. I can't, I don't know if that's how you pronounce that, but there's a bunch of fucking Z's in his name. Um, he, he's, he joined on bass in 85. I guess they were looking for a second drummer. So he recommended um, <clears throat> Ted Parsons. Uh, this is from Ted. Uh, his first job recording with Swans, he says, a couple hits on the snare. That was it. They recorded <laughs> it and I went home. It was a bit weird and funny too. That's what they wanted. And that's the, that's the kind of, it's a small little quote, but it's like a good example of what we're dealing with here. Also, <laughs> he's lucky he didn't join earlier because it would have been like, oh, could you like take a two by four to some, <laughs> some yeah, some pipe or trash cans or something. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it was far more, far more garbage was involved in, in the <laughs> earlier albums. Uh, but here, at least, uh, you know, instruments. Let's see. Um, and this is where, where um, Jira credited Jerbo with his vocals. He says she was instrumental in encouraging me and teaching me some rudimentary techniques for how to actually sing rather than just scream from my throat. Eventually, I found my voice. She was a big part of that, and I have to thank her. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of other things that uh, went on, but uh, around this time period, uh, after you know, like eighty five, eighty six, <clears throat> when when Jarbo started actually playing with the band, so just hanging around or being like a roadie. Um. She was doing keys uh, kind of ambiently on the side. And then as we heard on the, the screen P and I, I forget which you need me is the song I was thinking about. You need me from, from Holy money and then blackmail from mm-hmm. a screw uh, where it's just a solo piano and Jarbo, obviously a 
insane shift from what they usually did at the time, which was pounding, crushing, really, really painful, heavy. And so um, I didn't really, it never really occurred to me like, they did those songs live and they did. And it was awful for her. <laughs> it was so, so like, I think Jira referred to her or referred to her and those songs it's like they're you know his their secret weapon or something mm-hmm. along that kind like of thing. They're, like their attack dog. Yeah, their ace yeah. The attack dog, ace in the hole kind of thing. Yeah. Like you ain't gonna you have no idea what's about to happen. And I think the first time it's on it's on video. She's she goes into blackmail, she she plays it and she loops she loops the the progression and she goes in front of the crowd by herself. The rest of the band walks off the stage and she's just singing by herself and like like a fucking pro. She just no, no distraction. Just singing straight through while the crowd is fucking throwing shit at her, spitting at her, saying all kinds of, you know, all the things you would imagine a crowd in the eighties sing at a, a female singer at a swan show <laughs> going nuts. And at a certain point, I forget which member of the band it was. I believe it was Algus. Was it, was it him? Yes. Uh, he comes out uh, and just starts cussing out the, the crowd uh, and then walks off, <laughs> which is, which is, which is in the middle of her, st- like she didn't break a single note. Uh, which is, that's the kind of thing like a plus performance. Oh, hundred percent. That's the kind of thing you'd see all the time. in, in like the, the punk stuff, punk scene, like what we talk, we covered the Minutemen a million years ago where they'll be in the middle of singing a line and they'll, they'll, a loogie would land straight in their mouth. Like, and you just take it, you just fucking take it and you, you keep going, which is <clears throat> even, uh, well, I guess it is kind of in, you know, gears, Dian, Jira, Jira. Yeah. Uh, at least I, I hope he said this and I'm not com- the, where he saw su- suicide. <laughs> Check out that episode, by the way. And they're just spitting on him and he's like putting it in his mouth. He, just, like, oh, thank yeah, you. Thank like you. Rubbing oh. it all over his face. Like, ah, oh, yes, more <laughs> that. And that's how you combat that. It, it's disgusting. But if you're not willing to do it, then, then you're not, that's not your place. That's not, that's not where you belong. Man, uh, those people are different. Those are different people. I didn't love suicide's music, but what a, what a fucking unique crazy individual dude is it's, it's fucking rat and the fact that when we covered them we didn't come across that story at all I and mean, there's plenty of other things that they did on stage that were that were mm-hmm. wild um and kind of in that vein of uh, i'm gonna fucking scare you into not attacking me because yeah. i'm so i'm so nutty yeah. that's that's yeah crazy band um <clears throat> but yeah so that's that all that stuff is leading up that i'm talking about with, with jarbo and then taking the abuse and the the crowd's expecting swans to be this one thing uh, because they built up a huge reputation of being that one thing, the most punishing loud band in the fucking world, mm-hmm. which they delivered. But now Jira was, was getting a little bored of that and tired of that and wanted to move forward and try something different. So there was a, obviously there some, some musical shifts in the last couple albums, but this is the biggest shift that we've gotten so far. The first album we're covering today <clears throat> Oh boy, this is a beloved album, I think, by many people, mm-hmm. um, especially fans of Swans. And um, well, I guess if you're ready, I'm. Oh, I've been ready. Oh, baby, let's do it. This is 1987's Children of God. Oh, I have loved this song for many a year, and still get a bit of that like punishing yep. rhythmic stuff carried over here. It's and, still swans as fuck. Yeah. And yeah, I love the cheesy little electronic thing. It just all the yeah, those all the that's all Jarbo. It's all her keys. It lets you know 
you're in for something new yeah. here. Also, Jiro's not screaming. He's doing this monotone kind of thing, which he will do for a while. I think that's why I like his voice too, as a uh, a fellow person with a, a deep monotone voice at times. Yeah. yeah. It's really just that early Swan style, but with notes. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like the the actual evolution is like we're gonna play chords now still beat you into the ground but something I thought was interesting was um I forget what member it was but he he liked a howling wolf song uh fuck yeah I know what you're talking about I forgot his fucking name god damn and he's like I just slowed it down and ripped that off and it was the drummer it was the drummer uh, and I'm gonna find out his name in a fucking second so it is like crazy how like in a way it has always been uh you know it was Ted Parsons no shit yeah musically driven they're just psychos and they know how to distort it and uh I'm gonna give this one personal really yes. that's delightful this is a uh, obviously a good album but it's a it's a really fucked up and upsetting and dark album and well they all are they all are but this one is like the only one of this this era that hold on to some of that early style this yeah this one start to finish just what a what a a pleasure to listen to and uh, <laughs> i've never heard this album referred to as a pleasure i'm gonna call it that <laughs> because <laughs> in relation to a lot of other things there's a lot of things that are unpleasurable yeah uh, for swans, this is this is a, a breeze. Well, if you're a swans fan, this album is a breeze to listen to. I guess, but I mean, there's albums later on in a, like a few later on. I mean, they're just just as like the easiest things they've ever done to listen to. I guess this is still pretty tough. I mean, there's there's easy listening to for like compared to normal music, but this. Just like I said, start to finish, I I enjoy it a lot. Um, There's only I like every song except one. The only one that I think is a legit stinker. Sorry, buddy, that is real love. Uh, it's it it does the thing that I've mentioned in the past that I hate mm -hmm. is when you modulate a major second, mm -hmm. which is it's a thing you hear in blues. It's just you play one riff and then you go to a different key and you play the same riff, and they do that over and over. Or it's, it's, it's specifically one full step. Yeah. But they do that over and over again. I don't like it. Uh, that's basically the only song I don't like. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that song a, uh, a highlight on here. But um, one thing that I like realized when I, when I listened to, and uh, I'll, I'll give Mike a picture and he can put it on the screen or whatever, is I have this tour poster and it doesn't fit the vibes a swans at all and i went and i saw them live and then later on when i listened to this i was like oh shit it was inspired by in my garden that's oh right yes that fits the poster perfectly and it's just like unlike anything swans has ever done like 
you could probably show that song to normal people. Even. Oh, for sure. It's a, it's another uh, Jarbo led song, it's, but it's it's really early in the album. It's fucking mm-hmm. beautiful. It's I mean, it's got like f- flute sounding synths in there and piano, a lot of piano, uh, really light sounds. Because, yeah, when I bought the poster, I was like, it's a beautiful poster. I don't get why. I was like, why? Why did they make this for swans? And then they do get really pretty. And this whole yeah. era, there was going to be a lot of gentle, pretty, somber uh, is even uplifting and hopeful, like just things you never expect if you just heard anything from the first episode that we did on them. Uh, uh, speak, but speaking of in my garden. There we go. A little interesting tidbit from our boy Tommy says, let's talk about the track in my garden. Familiar sounding song, isn't it? Sounds a lot like something I can never have by Nine Inch Nails, doesn't it? What an incredible coincidence. We we talked about that uh, on the first episode to uh, I forget what song it was. And I was like, it reminded me of a Nine Inch Nails song. And then I Googled Nine Inch Nails and Swans and there's not really... He didn't give it up to them. He didn't give it up the way I, everybody knows he was inspired. By. I think he eventually did in yeah. passing. And then I think there's even an interview with Michael where he kind of is like, we know what you were yeah. listening to. Yeah, it's very clear. It's very clear. He's like, I don't have a problem with it, but just, you know, just just admit it. Just please. Because especially during the 90s where Swans was struggling and Nine Snails was not. But uh, speaking of uh, the same song. Jarbo talks about the recording. She says that was a really hard song to do because it's, it's solid breath. It's so quiet on the mic. It's singing like the flute. This is not what you're taught by the formal teachers. That's mm. because when you hear the song, extremely breathy, really breathy. And you don't really think about like, you just think it's, it's like, but there's recording technique and things change when you have to record it. So, and you always forget that she's like a, like a legit, singer like a fucking opera singer mm-hmm. uh but the things that she does in swans are always so primal and stripped down and you forget that she has an incredible range because um well i mean there's not a lot of she wasn't giving a whole lot of like spotlight time mm-hmm. <clears throat> not, not that i have that much of a problem with it because it was a different it's just a different band for that but um that's one example of, of getting something a little bit interesting um what else rules on here blood and honey uh Yes, although I do find it to be more mood than song. It's disturbing as fuck, very chilling. Yes, very sinister, and uh, this era of Swans has a, a lot of like Middle Eastern influence stuff. Yeah, this one and the next one have a lot of Eastern elements. And uh, you guys know me, I'm a sucker for that in my rock music, yep. so... Uh, um, uh, like a drug, shalala. Dude, that song fucking rips. I mean... It's brutal and punishing just like the early stuff, but there's way more ambient creepiness. There's a, there's some actual moments that are actually fucked up. It's a fucked up song. There's like uh, orchestral parts too. Yeah, there's a there's a few songs where it it's all it's all keys, but it, it it's like or it's basically early swans but orchestral. It's, it's so strange. It's big, it's cinematic, it's it's great. Yeah, cinematic, that's the word I was looking for. But like a drug is is really one of, it might be the most brutal song on here yeah um, it's so fucking good it's up there with anything from the early from the early days um by the time beautiful child comes on i had this like realization that the album does a pretty good efficient job of fluctuating between like harsh it and, does and beauty and these epic moments where i think previous albums we were just getting 
beaten to the dirt. Yeah, beaten into the ground. And then when they did add the Jarbo songs, there was literally one per record on mm-hmm. two records total. So it was it was extremely minimal. And there was a, wasn't a lot of breathing room. Here, I mean, in between those songs, you got uh, "You're Not Real Girl," which is basically an acoustic guitar song. There's some cool dark synths on there, but um, I, it's just that song along with many on here is just a total vibe, man. It's just so morbid, and God, it, it is not the band to turn to when you're not feeling that great. <laughs> oh, well, it was. It's it's been a rough week or two or however long yeah, <laughs> since yeah. we've uh last been in the garage <laughs> yeah we usually take us oh this took us a couple of weeks uh, yeah but um what else we got trust me has some some nice guitar riffs or killer guitar riffs i should say super uh, devoid of hope yes. that song I, I like the first few listens i was like this is just too much there's so much it's so fucking it's a bummer dude and i it was like but then i i, I mean i went back several times and i was like nah that song song rules too um this one i like more and more every time i hear it uh i've only, I only heard this album i think once mm-hmm. before and i knew it was an album that i need to hear more and give more time to so i really like took the time this time to, mm-hmm. to soak it in and i'm glad i did i'm glad i did maybe this was like the only album <laughs> I was like in the perfect mood for, and that's why it, that's why it hits so so good for me. Really, <laughs> to be in the perfect mood for Children of God is not a good sign for Alex's so, like personal life. No, it's not. I have a fucking Paddington Bear tattoo on me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? Yeah, I thought I've shown you. I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm gonna show you right now. All right. Oh, that one. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Oh, you got to take a, po- a, a, a photo so I can put it on, on the video. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking... I forgot about that. That's pretty rad. Goddamn. Uh, the, the title track, uh, which closes the album, fucking rules. Absolutely fucking rules. Um, it's another Jarbo song, except it's a heavier, louder Jarbo song, which we've never gotten before. Um, really ethereal vocals and layers all over the place. Really gothy and really awesome synth samples. So the title track apparently was built around that keyboard loop that you hear in there um, mm-hmm. that, that Jarbo had. Uh, apparently, Jarrah uh, encouraged her to build on it. He, he, uh, he says, she had a lot of input and I could never downplay that. My role as director was to produce and orchestrate it. Mm, look at that. Um, there you go. Another interesting thing about uh about well it's not just uh exclusive to this this album but kind of the whole time uh ted parson talks about norman norman westberg uh who's he's like the longtime guitarist he wasn't there from the beginning but he was there early and he he was he's like the guy mm-hmm. it's him and jarbo that have been with jarbo the longest um apparently he did whatever the fuck he wanted uh ted said Michael seemed to accept that because Norman had been in the band uh, in the band long enough that they understood each other really well, and that's one thing that that I saw in the doc that that tickled me. And I wish Norman was interviewed more in it. He's only he only speaks like twice in the whole movie, which mm-hmm. is insane. But the way he got in the band, I think the audition, quote unquote, was uh, all right. Um, go low when we go low and when we go loud you go you go high or something like that it <laughs> yeah. was something really vague like, yeah. like i was saying earlier it's like he's saying these like conceptual ideas like what the fuck is it and he did it and he just kept doing it yeah. and that's why he stood it's, the whole because he just it's almost like they spoke the same language exactly or like, like some kind of telepathy or something yeah and 
he's like a, Norman is like the perfect fit for swans. Like the dude is just gaunt, tall, and expressionless at all times. Yeah. He doesn't move on stage. He just kind of stares at that blink. Yeah, I love the guy. I fucking if, love the guy. If you were building like the uh, ultimate swans lineup. The man is is crucial. Yeah. Tom writes, uh, you probably noticed that Jiro likes to wear a cowboy hat. I have noticed that. It all started around this time when, when Jarbo let him wear a wide-brimmed fedora her father owned. He got used to it and eventually bought his own. And, and apparently he said he's been wearing a hat ever since. Uh, up to and including the big furry Russian hats. Let me just say, uh, cowboy from fedora to cowboy hat is uh, is an upgrade, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? These days, hundred percent. Back in the old times, it wasn't quite as ridiculous the to wear a fedora. F- the fedora wasn't as uh, as ruined as it is now. It's it can't be saved. I don't think. I think it's done for the next at least like a hundred years. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I guess stranger things have happened. But <clears throat> one thing that happened before this um before this album, uh, Jiran Jojo recorded um a couple albums as Skin, which I think we could do a whole episode on. Uh, it was uh, Blood Woman Roses and Shame, Humility, Revenge. Um, and uh, Tom says that it's worth mentioning here in passing, as you'll hear a lot from those records in Children of God, which I, I mean, it makes more sense that they have this giant musical shift um, that, that there was something in between, mm-hmm. uh, which was skin. Jarbo said, uh, I do think one member of the group saw it as taking ti- taking away time and energy from swans, which is something I disagree with because I saw it as helping to fuel swans. And I think she ended up being right on that one. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, in terms of the, the stylistic shift, <laughs> Ted says, I think we all said, uh Oh, the day Michael turned up to the studio with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> it's like no one was on board with this shift. Uh, not just the band, but obviously the fans weren't. And then even like the, I don't want to say label, label people, but all the people trying to push the band, mm-hmm. they were all like, uh, maybe just stick to, you know, the thing that you, you know, why would you, what are you doing? Just go back to being heavy. You're the loud band, be yeah. the loud band. And you say something like that to someone like Jira and that's fuck, fuck you. It, it does make more sense that their closest peers and friends are Sonic youth and not like, uh, some metal band or some punk band. Yeah. And, and even then, like they, they came up with Sonic youth, but they sound nothing like them. They never sounded anything like them. Mm-hmm. Um, from beginning to end, but they like the the values were were similar and like the the just the I don't know the curiosity mm-hmm. and not wanting to be held to a particular ideal. Um, but he Jira felt it was stupid to be like the loudest band in the world. Like I mean, what's what else is there? Like I mean, he did like, like where where do you go after you you crank it up to eleven multiple times? Yeah, and like ruin stages with your noise, and that's what they did. Like they, there was one <clears throat> I forget when it, it might have been later, could have been earlier. I forget, but Jerbo was with the band. That's all I remember. Where they're. They're they're playing a, they're playing a show and I forget which I'm, I'm forgetting everything it's it's in some country, and in the middle of the show the 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 venue just pulled the plug on them mm-hmm. um they pulled the plug on everything but the the main mic, so they're I mean mid song mm-hmm. because it was too loud they got like complaints from the neighbors or some shit, which is uh, fucking ridiculous um so they pulled the plug on them and the band is like oh well I guess we're done so they walk off stage and Jira stays up there. Just singing the screaming the song a cappella for the rest of it. Because 
That's, I mean, it's a pretty punk rock thing to do. I mean, that's, what else are you going to do? I mean, fuck them so hard for that. But th- that's the point. Like, they were so loud. They, they really kind of got uh, screwed every once in a while. But <clears throat> here's a nice callback for us. Uh, Nick Drake was another influence that came via Jerbo and, and uh, Jira to absorb. Check out that episode. Very, very lovely musician uh, with a very, very sad, sad story. Yeah, Jura says, um, I was struck by the undeniable beauty, beauty and power of these incredibly, incredibly simple performances. I started to work out and write things on acoustic guitar and tried to sing them. Damn straight. If there's one thing that'll inspire you to just like, you know, I don't need a whole band. It's Nick Drake. Yeah. And you will fail because he's really good and he, most people aren't that good. <laughs> just uh, an anomaly and a, a gem of a, a musician. 100%. Very sad, but awesome albums. Um. And then obviously a theme on this one is the religious stuff. Uh, apparently around this time period, Jiro was, was uh, watching a lot of televangelists. There's one in particular that, that's, that he cites in the documentary too, but it, just that big personality, the, the really, you know, the, the, the bombastic kind of nature um, that televangelists often have. <clears throat> and he, he channeled a lot of that. I mean, the Swan, Swan's lyrics have always been really simplistic and, and primal, but here it's very religious mm-hmm. or you know, kind of inspired by. There's one thing that, that Tom adds here that is, uh, it's another reason that this band is so much more fucked up and so much, like you can't be this band, nor should you want to, because the the, the risks that they take are so fucking stupid and, and crazy. Tom says, it's worth mentioning that around the time of this album's release, the band played behind the Iron Curtain in places like Poland and Czechoslovakia, generally getting snuck around illegally from gig to gig. Wild stories. If you made a movie of horrors of Black Flags, terrifying experiences, this could be the sequel, Swans, Eastern European Edition. (sighs) I mean... There's nothing more dangerous you could possibly do. Yeah, what's the point of that? Like, I don't know. Oh, we saw boosts in your record sales and checklists. Like, exactly. You're not getting new fans. They they're not allowed to see you. <laughs> it's, it's fucking so crazy. Oh man. Although when that wall came down, I bet they're fucking real appreciative of Swans. Yeah, yeah. Because you know the citizens are not the. Of course. Yeah, but still. Holy shit! So yeah, this is a intense album. It marked a massive shift, the biggest one in their career yet, and Alex's personal favorite. Mm-hmm. Well, of this era. Of this era, yes. Breaking news, you beautiful hairy-faced fucks. Manscaped is now selling beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code EAE for 20% off and free shipping. Listen, I may not be able to grow a beard, but I have had permanent stubble for the past four straight years. I don't like shaving all the way to the face. It's too much face. I like having a thin layer of not face in between my face in the world uh and i'm telling you right now i'm not going back this thing is a fucking powerhouse and also it's got 20 built-in links in one guard that's fucking incredible like i mean holy shit so even if you don't have a beard this is mad convenient it's time to tame your mane no one likes a weird beard so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with manscapes pro beard kit it all starts with the beard hedger 
First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right. Face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. That alone has sold me for life. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. Even if this wasn't insanely convenient and it had all the guards in it and it's fucking heavy duty and it's got some nice weight to it and does the job but nicely um the simple fact that it's waterproof is already going to replace my old razor i mean that's just what, what year we're living in you got to make it waterproof baby the titanium coated t-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time the pro kit doesn't end there though they have created four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care first there's the beard shampoo and conditioner hell yes god damn it i wish i could use these i don't have a beard though you need to remember that all your hair is different your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head that's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize reduce ingrown hairs replace natural oils and promote beard health next the kit has manscapes beard oil hello hello there yes an essential piece for your main facial accessory. And one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry, so the oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap off the kit with beer bomb. Oh, beer bomb. I wonder if we can use this on my nuts. A pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. something really satisfying about the sound of scissors so you get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code eae at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code eae manscaped beard hedger one stroke one guard 20 lengths no scrubs all right let's get back to the show and now uh we got a big deal a big label deal big record deal oh shit they're only to date only major label album that's Kind, it makes sense, but it's also kind of insane. These, it, yeah, you're right. Because at this point where they are now, it's like, oh, they can easily get a major. But mm-hmm. then also, why would they? Mm-hmm. So it's like the time where it's like the most obvious and the most successful for them to do it. They don't need it, which is, it's kind of actually kind of, it's kind of nice. Yes. But they got signed to uh, Uni, Uni Records, which is a division of MCA. And Oh boy, here we go, baby. This is 1989. By the way, this is the one that's not streaming. You can find it on YouTube. This one's hard to find. Major label. You can kind of put two and two together. Uh, This is 1989's The Burning World. Crank that, some bitch. So we're already hearing uh, a bit of a difference. I was thinking it's really quiet. Is it cranked all the way? All the way. Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect from this album. Uh, And it wasn't this. I bet it wasn't. But also... This is the biggest shift in their entire career. Entire. Ever. 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 And... This is the band who did Phil, dude. Fucking cop, bro. This is cop. This is the band who did cop. These fucking fiddles. Fiddles. I... I was 
taken aback in the best way. So, yeah, I understand. This is a beautiful song. <laughs> it's just so fucking weird. She was born no one was But I can still hear swag a little bit, yeah. yeah. It's in there. I really do like this song a lot. <laughs> doesn't feel like swans. I know you could tell it's them in there. It's like the only album they've ever done that doesn't feel like swans. Yeah, I um it's jarring and it's not jarring because the only like swan side project thing I've heard is Angels of Light, yeah. Of Light, which is similar to this. So Yeah, yeah. I was just like this is a this is a legitimately nice album. I I am so tired of people shitting on this album. It fucking rules. I it's, really I've always I've listened to this album actually a lot. I I've had this one since I was uh, pretty young, and I've always liked this album. And it is it is not what you're looking for for Swans, I guess. But it is a nice album. But if you like that Angels Light stuff, yeah, and um. You just like good music. This is worth seeking out. Absolutely. And, uh, I like every song on here. Oh, shit. This is almost my personal favorite. I really do love this album. Damn. <laughs> yeah. That's delightful. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, it's not streaming. Probably going to get some horrible accolade. And then I listened to it. I was like, this is this is nice. But the rest of the world doesn't agree with us. The rest of the world does not like this album, including the band. No one likes this album. And I get it. It's not like... Especially when it came when it came to the making of this album, they were so fucked, mm-hmm. and, and everything was just such a disaster, and nothing lined up the way it was, and they didn't have any control over the mixing and stuff. So it obviously comes out sounding like some band that they never were, mm-hmm. but it's still good. <laughs> like these are still really good songs. And that's one thing that I, I that um I, th- I think Jira and, and Jira both said repeatedly like the songs are great songs they're great songs but they hated the album they hated the way it came out Uh, that's unfortunate because i think later on there's an an attempt not to be like normal but those songs don't feel as good as these songs do a lot of songs don't feel as, as good as these but like I don't know. There's there's something definitely missing. I mean, I wouldn't go to this to scratch a swan's itch. I mean, that's I'm kind of repeating myself now. But um, f- for one, uh, they cover Blind Faith's "Can't Find My Way Home," which I was a big fan of that song. You not so much. Check out that episode. That's how good this album is. It's good, right? I felt so betrayed. I I love this cover, and then I went and saw his Blind Faith, and I was like, what kind of Black magic witchcraft. I'm telling you, dude, Are it's you- a good song. I think you had some some sour feelings toward Blind Faith and that type of thing. Yeah. I heard this before the Blind Faith version, mm-hmm. so I already knew the song. And when I heard the original, I was like, "Oh, it is a it's a great song. It's just a, it's a different thing." I'm not uh, comparing contrasts in, good my, song, in my free time, but it fits it fits in perfectly. Like with, a, with these songs. I wouldn't 
if I didn't look it up, I wouldn't have known. I yeah. wouldn't have bad. And even though I've listened to that album. Yeah. Talked about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the biggest, I mean, like we said, the top, this is the biggest stylistic shift of their career hands down. And if most bands in existence, few have a shift like this, um, these, they now have legitimately happy, uplifting, hopeful songs. Now mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, there wasn't even a fucking in the conversation for the past eight albums. No. Um, I do like the, the peppering of some, some psychedelia and got those Eastern instruments. Yep. On songs like, uh, Mona Lisa, mother earth. Earth. Oh, I love it. And see no more, which I think they're both strong songs, but see no more is my favorite of the two. It's this, it's one of the few bits of bitterness on the album. Also see no more starts off psychedelia ends folk music. Yeah. And it's just. It's just seamless. It's great. Everything. I mean, they do feel really natural and organic. These songs, uh, the the arrangements, because there's like a million, million musicians on this album. We'll go into a little bit more in a minute, but the arrangements do feel. Um, uh, I don't want to not watered down. They they feel like maybe holding back. N- in a way, it's almost like a like a Reader's Digest version of a, of an orchestra, mm-hmm. where it's like they're they're big arrangements, but it doesn't they don't feel epic or or actually big. They feel like a like a commercialized, like glossy, shitty version of an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's like if someone if someone actually just did all these string arrangements and all these whatever instruments they are, um, they did them all on synth. And they, and they plugged them in. It feels that kind of uh, sterile. Even mm. though the songs are great and the arrangements themselves written are great, the way it feels, feels pretty sterile. That would make sense if that was one of the reasons why the the band is not. I think so. I think, I think, I mean, because the songs are, every song on here is very good. Uh, hey, what what hey, song you, wait, no, go ahead. Hey, Michael, oh. have have you heard of Taylor Swift? She recorded all her albums. I think you should record this one. Re-record it. I I would I would love to hear that way a season Gerald re-record these songs. That way you get the production you want. You get your ownership back, and they would be insanely different songs. That's for sure. I'm sure there'd be like 20 minutes at this point what they do now. But I I would love to hear how how they approach these songs because. They're worth saving. Uh, speaking of which, the song saved. Talk about a song that no one in the world could have ever predicted from Swans. The song saved. Put on the song saved. <laughs> I mean, come already. It's been up for three seconds. You'd almost do some like old like crooners or like soul soul songs. is this it's fucking good it's fucking good is what it is you play this at your wedding absolutely if the person you're marrying is also a psychopath fucking crazy no sun to pull down from the sky This could sound like this could pass as a blind face song too. 
Yeah, yeah, or even the laws. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I would want to listen to a a whole discography like this. No, no, absolutely not. But they they tapped. Well, I I guess that's not true because Angels of Light is awesome. I guess I guess Michael just has a fucking way to get music out of his body that is and other people's bodies that is it's fascinating it's fascinating that 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 this could come out of that band even though they didn't like it and they didn't want to come out this way the fact that it did is is, is pretty wild but there's I mean, there's so many great songs in it. Every, like I said, every song, uh, you, uh, she's universal emptiness, absolutely beautiful, legit ballad. Um, what was it? Uh, I, let it come down. Fucking super cowboy feel to that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, he may wear a cowboy hat, but the cowboy vibes are, are few and far between. Very few. Um, and the one that it's my favorite song on the album always has been, and it's devastating is the closer. Goddamn the sun. Really? I thought that one was just okay oh you're insane it's a devastating dirge i've always loved it um and one thing that I, that jira said which was made me sad is how much he loved the song and he hated how his voice came out on it mm. and i've always like i always really liked his voice on that one because it's it's just so deep and it's so i mean the lyrics alone are fucking <laughs> devastating man <laughs> it's a such a fucking sad song and it's really really well written uh wonderful closer i think but i mean jesus christ this should have sucked um i mean by all everyone else's accounts they think it does but uh i it it, it could have sucked it, it could should have sucked it should be one i never want to go back to again uh but they're just good songs i i can confidently say i don't i don't think this band has a bad album no wow. i because this was like the last Last Era. pieces of the Yeah, I've heard every album yeah. at this point already. They've never done a bad album. They're they're truly the fucking greatest band in the world. <laughs> I really do love them so much. But I mean, this isn't gonna appeal to everyone, of, of course, but if you're in the mood for this this kind of thing, this really gentle, somber, acoustic, folky type thing, I mean, Jesus Christ, this is it's wonderful. Um so prior to this album, uh Kizzy's got up, got fed up and left. He says uh, that he felt constricted. Um and uh, he, uh, I think he was getting, uh, and, and Parson, Ted Parson also left. He said he was getting bored and he got an offer to play with Prong. So he did that. Um, and Tom says right here, he says, another event in the Swan story to mention in passing is the versions of Joy Division's level tear us apart because they, they did cover that around this time period. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the label they were on was under the umbrella of Mute. And there was the idea that the band could have a hit. No, no. <laughs> No, no, no. Jura says they played the game, but you know, multiple versions were made. Some with uh, Jura singing lead, some with Jarbo. Uh, I think he says that the drum machine, MTV, pop music, red version was a hiccup. The black version, quote unquote, still has integrity. I consider it to be one of my better covers. Um, I've heard one version only, and I didn't listen to both because um, I forgot. I've, simply forgot. I've heard neither and didn't, didn't know they existed until right now. It is the one the version I've heard anyway. It is basically it could have been put on this album the way it sounds. Okay, but it's level to us apart. Check out Joy Division episode um, and the song. Um, c- who doesn't love that song? I mean, it's a very good song. But. I could see a, a record producer listening to Swans and being like, uh, "This guy kind of sings like that uh, that Joy Division fella." Yeah, I, 
better. I think he sings much better. <laughs> we all know how you feel about Eden. He, he, Curtis couldn't sing, dude. He fucking... <laughs> Sorry. He's dead. Let it go, Mike. I, I can't until I'm dead as well. So behind some of the production of this and why it sounds as crazy as it does, um, the main theme of The Burning World, according to Tom, he says, um, it's the impact of bringing in Bill Aswell, which is a big time, big hotshot producer. Sounds like a big time. Bill, we're going to bring in Bill Aswell. Aswell. Yeah. uh, So Jarbo was very clearly unsatisfying, but it's a, I think it's, there were some differences in opinions on how everything went down. So um, Steve McAllister, who who toured with Prong and recorded them, was recommended by by Ted and came in as an engineer and bass player. And according to Steve, he says that uh, Jarrell always paid a, fair, paid a fair price. A lot of music people are real sleazy, but he was fair and honest. Recurring theme. He may, he may be an asshole. In his personal life when he's drunk. But he knows what it is to suffer and is... Uh, I was going to say, not going to make others suffer, but he kind of has. <laughs> he's going to pay you a fair fucking way. By all accounts, he's like he's like a legitimately good dude. And it's, I mean, by all accounts, we even had gotten comments from people who, who've had conversations with them and how mm-hmm. he was like the, just the warmest guy ever. Um, but by all accounts, like especially professionally, like he, it may have taken him a while, but he paid every single person. He made mm-hmm. sure, like he, he didn't fucking over anybody. He always... Um, had a lot of a lot of ethics when it came to that, which is good to know. And also makes sense. He never really seemed like a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's what I mean. Like, difficult to work with doesn't mean you're a bad person or you don't have, like, a, a strong moral compass. It just means you you have a vision and you you don't compromise that. Um, and you could be a dick in the process of doing something else. But um, people are people are complicated and people are great. And we all have moments where we're fucking assholes. I know I have certainly been there. Uh, but... He pays, you know. Um, apparently, the budget here was around a uh, hundred to two hundred k, which is uh, apparently a modest budget in those days. I it blows my fucking mind. It's it's crazy. Uh, movies, music, TV, what is considered a, a a quote unquote modest budget? Fucking insane, man! Just give me thirty bucks, all right? <laughs> fucking join the Patreon, and, uh, and that's before inflation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Jarbo said uh, that she felt there were too many session people brought in. Um, and apparently, which I didn't know, this is fucking wild. After session vocalists replaced her background vocals, she flipped her shit and her vocals were put back in. They replaced her fucking backup vocals. No, <laughs> no, that that right there, like you can you can have a vision for a band and, and push them into to things they didn't think they could do. But uh, that right there, it's, this seems like a, a, a no, no. It is. I mean, crossing the line is an easy way or a soft way to put it. Jesus Christ, I'd fucking stab someone. Um, and, and to her credit, a lot of session people. Let's let's want to try and count this. No, not really. I, I think <laughs> I already did. There were literally, I think, 30 people. <laughs> but, it's a, it's amazing it's, how many of them have Wikipedia entries, too. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, I would I would say good people. like 50 50 split here. A lot of. Yeah. Uh, See, we got the baglama, the bazooki, double violin, violin, keyboards, percussion, tabla, uh, a lot of background vocals, vibraphone, conducting, violin, violin, viola, viola, cello. That, uh, there's so much on here. That is so crazy that there's like real people playing it, but it 
it feels to your point it feels kind of weak and, yeah it feels like someone just programmed it and they're all sent to something i mean it doesn't sound bad it just feels bad what are the guys from talk talk doing they would have made it it would have taken five years to record but it would have sounded amazing that's true yeah those guys are wild <laughs> oh fuck check out that episode uh see 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 and this is the quote where uh, jira talked about god down the sun he says that it apparently had a lot of pressure uh, to record this song he says it's a stellar song the vocals ruin it no it, they don't i was they do not ruin it so according to tommy says there are too many stories about the making of the album to put here but to be to be brief it appears that bill laswell had a heavily heavy influence on the album shocker both in terms of his style and sound being applied to swans but in other areas too like breaking down jira's ego during the recording not out of malice but apparently through some kind of principle um of sufism Jira played the game and he, said, uh, and he says a lot of things went went on behind the scenes, but that was part of the devil's bargain of signing to a subsidiary of MCA, Music Cemetery of America. Yakety schmackety do. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess when you when you decide to to take the plunge, then you're all I'm already compromising. Um, but <clears throat> I think I think it could have been a lot worse. It was mixed by uh, Jason Cassaro who, according to Tom, is a big fucking deal, by most accounts anyway. He also makes Like a Virgin, and there is the Madonna connection again. Hell yeah. There's rumors that Jira and Madonna were an item in the early 80s. I believe it. It's fucking possible. It's strange, but it's possible. Her body count is so interesting. Yeah. Let's just throw him in there, too. Fuck it. Why Why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Uh, but they got the dude to, who mixed... Like a virgin to work on this album. <laughs> I love it. This is the band that did filth. Yeah. <laughs> this is fucking insane. Uh, anyway, the album tanked, uh, but Bill Bill was happy with it, with the final product, and he thought it would do well. Uh, wild. Um, this also caused Norman to quit because he said, I felt like I had less input. So uh, I decided if this was the, where the music is going, I'm not really that thrilled about it. And who could blame him? Norman came back shortly after. Thankfully, he he left, but he was back immediately. Because yeah, he said if this is the music they're going to be, and it's not. The it music. is not, and that leads us to the next one where it doesn't sound like the Burning World. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. Uh, it. Some would say return to form. Some would say another progression. Now who knows? But there's plenty more to talk about. Anyway, Burning World doesn't suck. Check it out. Uh, but here we are. This is 1991's White Light in the Mouth of Infinity. Easily one of the coolest album names ever. Interesting album art for this one and the next one. Oh, yeah. I didn't timestamp. But this is Swans. Yeah. The, obviously, this is not the Burning World. We're already creeped out. I forgot I had it cranked up. I love <laughs> forgot I had it cranked up. No good. Keep it. Keep it. And that's it. They're swans again. All of a sudden, they are swans again. It is interesting having this almost like, uh, I know we're just like out of the 80s, but kind of like 80s industrial production. Yeah, for sure. Heavy on the sense. Oh, this is fucking great. Now the synths are like a focal point. Yeah. 
man, it's just like crazy to hear these like big triumphant yep, chords. And it feels like the logical progression so from God. Children of God. Mm-hmm. And now it's a goth song. Yep. It, it would never happen, and it doesn't fit his character. But there's a wrestler called MJF, and he says, I'm better than you, and you know it. It's the least relevant thing. <laughs> he, him walking out to this song, though. That would be cool. Just because uh, I'm better than you. It's a, it's a very striking line. Man. Fucking powerful, dude. Powerful. So good. Best personal favorite. Ooh. Ah, man. I knew it's I would like pick. this. I knew I'd like this album, but just the, the level at which I like it is mm-hmm. it feels like such a, uh, uh, the, uh, what, how do I put this? The evolution feels like it was on such the perfect course. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, they keep going after this, of course, and they keep, progressing but like whereas even though i quite enjoyed the burning world that's definitely a hiccup but Mm -hmm. if you just if you were to remove that from the timeline the way this is like an expansion in i think an an incredible improvement on what they started with children of god Mm -hmm. it's like there's still a ton of heaviness here it's still very powerful and very punishing but the musicality is through the fucking roof it's it's wild how well done these these layers are um this like makes sense how a lot of like these um instrumental post rock bands like Godspeed or uh, Explosions in the Sky probably love this album. How could you not, man? It's it's absolutely wonderful, and it's also like their most gothy. Yeah, I mean the, but, the production is shiny. I mean everything is bright as hell, and yeah, it's just this interesting, like mixing pot of like how do you make something that sounds evil and triumphant at the and they just yeah. fucking do it, and you're not like that's awkward. Um. It it fucking works, and stuff like power and sacrifice. Where I mean, it's it's seriously dark and hopeless sounding, but with this really driving kind of tribal beat to it. Uh, so it's, it's hopeless and, and fucked up, but it, it's there's so much energy behind it that it it still just kicks ass in the end. Yeah, um, I don't know if it's ever happened or if it's even possible to happen, but I would. I would love to see swans with like a, an orchestra. Oh my God. Even a small one. Yeah. I mean, I mean they, 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 basically, they basically already are. They already are. Yeah. Just like to have that power live. And I don't even know if that's something that interests him. Cause he seems to be very much someone focused on the present and moving forward. But I yeah, I don't think you, I also don't think that would be a very, pleasant exchange like having to to direct that many more musicians he's already he already kind of conducts his band now yeah he would he would have to be at some sort of like 
passive Zen state to <laughs> something to do it. Uh, but man, I mean, I don't even know what else to talk about. There's so just every, uh, every fucking song absolutely rules. Uh, I like the placement of song for dead time. Because, hell yeah. Um, this is big epic songs. And then that, this is like the perfect breather right there. Yeah. Uh, it, on the, the track before that, you know, nothing. It, that's like the first thing to kind of ease off the gas, but, uh, it, it it has really good buildup. It keeps it gets bigger and bigger as it moves on, as it moves on. But but song for dead time. It's a, a Jabot song, and super gentle, acoustic driven. It's still dark, but mm-hmm. fucking lovely. Um, we will survive is an interesting one because it starts out with one of the most boring riffs ever. And I think I, I, I all right, this is a, clearly a stinker. But as it goes on, it keeps getting better and better and better. I fucking love it by the end of it. Yes, I agree with that. And where it really won me over, and I was not expecting it, and even though you should expect the unexpected uh, with Swans, is throwing in some folk and bluegrass and some choir vocals in that song. And it's just, it's just amazing. The way these songs build is some of the best in their entire career um, ever. I mean, they, they, they're, they're like the kings of buildup. I mean, even in especially the later stuff is really good. But the, on this album, like, God, it feels so good. Um, I know you had the like reaction where like, this is fucking swans doing that. But I, I guess I kind of this viewed that album as it's like own thing. But on here, when you have like dark and moody songs and you hear level save us, what a, oh yeah what a long way we've come from <laughs> yeah from your property <laughs> your property to level say butcher fucking oh jesus and I, I love having that like man we've come a long way and then fucking failure and it's like no we're back to being depressed dude we never leave the depression and no. that's something i i find great comfort in swans about uh, level save you that one actually reminds me uh a lot of Nick Cave or like the bad seed stuff, mm-hmm. just the way it's structured. It really, even like the vocal cadence that, he, that he's, he's using there really reminds me of Nick Cave. But Failure is, it's a Western, dark Western dirge. I fucking love it, man. I, I ah, it's so goddamn, like the, there's these subtle backup guitar lines that just shape the mood. Mm-hmm. The song, without those subtle guitar lines, the song wouldn't be the same. Mm-hmm. It's like the layers on this album are, tr- are truly where it shines. Like, there, there's a ton of them, but they don't feel superfluous. They don't feel unnecessary or tacky or, or, or like pretentious in any way. They're just, they really change the feel of everything. Failure is fucking amazing. Um, something that happens to you more than me is where like you get like the epic fatigue where there's too many epic songs yeah. on the album. And then I was thinking about that, uh, particularly around Miracle of Love. Where I'm just like, no, every epic song on here is fucking great and feels as powerful at the end of the album as yep. it does the beginning of the album. Doesn't feel like it's getting old. Doesn't overstay its welcome. Also a random thing I thought of during that song, and I don't know if it's just me, but it made me think of, is it Chris Isaac or Isaac's uh, I Don't Want to Fall in Love? Uh, and no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 
I don't know why that song made me. Th- and I was like, wouldn't it be great if Chris Isaacs and um and and Girard, G- that oh, mean, if they were the same person? If they were the same person, that would be explode the that would split the atom dude. like a Hannah Montana <laughs> type deal. It's so disturbing. We're uh, talking about swans. They'll be as disturbing as I want. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, fucking. And it's another thing. Like we've, we've got plenty of happy songs on burning world, but that felt like a different band where the happy songs in here. It's like swans are ha- it's swans, but now it's happy. Like, like you, miracle of love. Yeah. You have the compare and contrast on this one where the other one, it was just kind of one mood. It's yeah. a great mood. But it's only one here. Yeah. You get like uh, song song for the sun, which is like it's as uplifting as the title implies. <laughs> and it, it and it follows failure. So, again, I mean, the pacing of this is, is incredibly well done. You're, you're going to get beaten to the ground with depression for sure. But then it'll fucking raise you back up. Also, I I love blind. It's just blind is wonderful for at this point. And I guess they continue to do it, but to be able to do songs that are just so unique and not repeat themselves is especially minimal, minimally like that. Cause that's mm-hmm. just a, basically a sad acoustic guitar line. Um, that song is a bonus track on, I forgot when, yeah, I guess on the remaster on the 2015, it's a bonus track. Um, it's originally from Jira's. So, so album Drainland, the same one with you see through me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it fits fits in um, I didn't very even well know here. It's a bonus track. It's just that's how much it fits in there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it sounds fucking wonderful. Um, when she breathes is another Jarbo track. Uh, it's a little bit on the anger side, but fucking absolutely rules. Really gothy. There's no drums in that one. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of got its own feel to it. Uh, the final chunk of Why Are We Alive? I mean, it. it jumps from being super hopeful and powerful to just kicking so much so much ass it's fucking <laughs> rad dude uh and then the closer is the the most unfortunate lie which is um ironically pleasant given the song title and it's a great it's a, just a really graceful way to end the album uh it's fucking phenomenal it's like a perfect evolution of the band and it's and it i, I forgot so much of what Jura said about one of the, also one of the few like seventy plus minute albums. It's just, it's quite long. I mean, they're all the leg. They're all long, but this, yeah, it doesn't really feel that long. But I forget what, what Jiro was saying about this. I mean, because a lot of the there was so much fuckery with the last album. Um, Jiro was penniless at the end of it. He he spent all his money trying to get that album to to work and to make it successful, and then they obviously they were dropped immediately by the label after. It, uh, it tanked and he started young God, which he still runs today. And this is what that was released on. But there was like so much fury that he like, he had to had in him after that whole disastrous situation. Uh, and you really do feel it. Like I, I, I felt that even before knowing that whole backstory, like these songs mm-hmm. just hit so hard and there's so fucking there's so much catharsis in these songs. Like they, he feels like he's really let letting out some steam or getting rid of some demons or something like is this, he is he not constantly doing <laughs> he seems like quite a gentle guy honestly like i mean the, especially these days uh i don't know he's he's 
An interesting Let me dude. just say with his music, is he not constantly releasing demons? Yeah, and especially on stage. Yeah, he's for sure. Yeah, he turns into like a, a different entity when he's on stage. It's 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 very interesting to watch. But yeah, this album is fucking amazing. Um, and I've only I don't think I only heard it once ever before, and I kind of didn't really give it the the attention it deserved. But here it was like, oh, there's a lot. I mean, like all these albums, there's a lot of these that I. I could probably gush about a little bit, but this one just feels so right. And mm-hmm. in everything that just kind of came together just feels perfect. Um, one thing that uh, our boy Tom briefly mentioned on our part one episode is about Jerbo's parents, which uh, um, I think he said they were in the CIA, but uh, he corrects it. They were in the FBI. They Both parents they met on the force. And this little doozy of information broke my heart <laughs> and made me very angry. <laughs> So, uh, in this interview with Jarbo, uh, she says uh, that she had an unusual childhood, that her father was an undercover FBI agent who was always assuming different personas for spy work in rural America. Already, if your dad's a spy, that's pretty fucking weird. Uh, When he died, Jarbo found all sorts of spy equipment and quite a few tapes of recorded phone conversations. He had their their home phone bugged, and an unknowing Jarbo had her private conversations taped and listened to by her dad. Now, some of, a lot of those conversations are on this album as well as the next one and as well as the last one that we're covering today. Uh, that is really disturbing. <laughs> I don't like that. But yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, sure, he does that for a living, but surely he wouldn't do that to his own family. But Surely, then, surely. But then also like, well... If you do that for a living, why would he? Yeah. You're just going to stop? <laughs> Spying is a way of life. Fuck that guy, dude. I mean, oh, man. It just such, it makes me so uncomfortable thinking, like, what, what do you, like, so let's, Kate. Okay. It's say No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think about, uh, you know, people I knew growing up and their, their parents were cops. And then it's like. It's got to be more intense if they're FBI, right? Oh, clearly. Yeah. And it's like, it makes me think like, so you're spying for a living. Cool. You get on this intel, you do whatever with it, you do your job. When you're doing it with your family, if you're spying on them, you can't confront them about anything they say. So you just hear all of their... And keep it inside. That's psychotic like at least blow your fucking your lid and, and 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 i don't know yell at them or whatever the hell i don't know like why like why to just know to just have that's fucked up that seems his, way way more sadistic when you think pro- about like he's not telling them that he's listening like he's just keeping all information for himself he's probably like a lawyer in some ways oh you know that makes more sense too ah oh, fuck man you can't expect ask people to do fucked up lines of work for a living and expect them to not be fucked up. Just like The Departed. Yep. I haven't seen that movie in a long while. I've heard people shit on it and I get angry because w- w- are you impossible to please? What's wrong with you? It this gave us the Jack Nicholson meme. That did not. That was uh that was um That's- anger management. <laughs> Is that? Yeah, it's a fucking Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> I thought that was from The Departed. No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, I can't. I can't even say that about The Departed. Then I guess your management, dude. You got to find a way to squeeze that scene into The Departed now with this dumb fucking Boston accent, which 
stuck out. Like everybody's acting in that movie sounds believable except Jack Nicholson's for some reason. Whatever. We all heard these arguments. I, Old I, movie. Real quick. I think I just felt like it was just so like beat for beat the version, the like the Chinese version that it's based on that I was just like. And that explains why I liked it. I don't have no knowledge of that at all. Yeah. Where I was like, it's cool, I guess, but it's also kind of the same thing. All right. All right. Well, you, there we go. I, don't, we go. I no longer like the movie. Thanks, Alex. Also, I haven't said it in a while, but since we're here, fuck Boston. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so around this time period of the of the of the band um apparently uh Jiro is pretty beaten down shockingly 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 um according to him he says after so many lineup changes people lasting one record or tour if that i've just resigned myself to the fact that that was the way it was it was never going to be a band of brothers together fighting against the world uh and uh, yeah because of his personality he accepted that he'd be the boss so the dictator thing <laughs> she, he wasn't already <laughs> Well, thing is, well, I think he was trying to have a band the whole time, but yeah. he wanted the music to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, people like to not stick around for that long. Like they obviously they're not going to be beaten down with it. And it's one interesting thing that I saw in, in the doc. It's toward the end, and it's with the the current. Oh, it's not the current band anymore, but the band at the time. <clears throat> it was like a you know twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen. Um, they were doing a rehearsal. And it's the same thing. They're they're doing a thing and Jiro's telling the bassist to do a thing and he's being really vague about it and aggressive, aggressive and vague. Great combination. And the bass player is like, I, I don't know what you, I like, what does that mean? Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And Jiro's just trying to tell him and he's not making much sense. And then he finally says, forget it, let's just try it. Let's try it again. And then the bass player's like, no, no, I want to, I want to understand. I, and then, Jira brushes him off again and he gets mad and he throws his bass and he walks out. I was like, okay, well, Jira was being difficult, but that guy has a giant pussy. Sorry. But so Jira was without missing a beat. He's like, start without him. Let's go without him. And then Norman was like, no, 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 no. We have to fix this. And that's something that you could only say when you've been there that long that for to know him that well, like, no, 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 no. This, this, we're not going to fucking scare Go over up. this yeah like no they need to communicate better like yeah which is weird because you look at norman and you think he's never spoken a word you think he's a fucking ghoul he looks like he's never said a word and he's like the most sensible like <laughs> really nice guy the voice of the voice of reason exactly but uh yeah, so he's the boss. For this album, he says, I was trying to recover from the debasement of myself and my core nature as an artist, but maybe I overcompensated. I felt I had to do something that was so absolutely, that was absolutely the best I could possibly do as a producer and songwriter, and I went crazy. Hey, buddy, I think it worked. I think it worked v- very well. Like, that passion fucking bleeds through these songs. Oh, shit. J.G. Uh, Thurwell played on Power and Sacrifice. I didn't realize that. Holy shit. Until right now. Yeah. Yeah, the dude from Fetus. Um, obviously, he was very associated with Swans in the early days, and um, does many other things. Let's see. Uh, apparently, Jarbo believes she didn't get enough credit for the musical contribution she made to Swans, which I think is a recurring thing uh, and a fucked up thing. She says that the keyboard work and arrangements I did in Swans was never really talked about. It's always about voice, which sometimes got really irritating. Uh, Jarbo often complained that she was being too elaborate both with her keyboards and singing. Uh, and she says, uh, that's too many notes. He'd say another thing Michael would say to me was too much jazz. 
And that's because I, well, I have an old fashioned vibrato. Not everyone can do vibrato. He like too many notes, too jazzy, too like that. A lot of like the, the, the beating down that Jiro did to his bandmates was usually like do less, do less. And I'm going to yell at you until you do less. It's uh, also crazy to want less and then do these albums that really don't repeat themselves. That have so much. There's, yeah, it, it's baffling is really what it is. And again, around this time period, Jerbo put out two, two solo albums, Beautiful People Limited um, with Larry Seven. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, with Larry Seven and 13 Masks, uh, which I haven't heard, but I'm actually way more interested in her solo stuff now than ever. I'm amazed I've heard Angels of Light because as we are doing, their discography is huge and threatening. And yeah, so many side projects and solo stuff, but so much, so much stuff. But my best and personal favorite, uh, we, uh, the Swans being Swans again, but with a whole new energy and personality. Uh, and it's you must you must hear it if you have any interest in this band. This era is a very cool era, and yeah, this is a huge highlight for me. But we have more, and this next album I feel like is a lot of people's entry point to the band. Period. Really? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Uh, but here we are, everybody. This is 1992's Love of Life. <laughs> So this opening track is one of several parts, six parts of transition, experimental, kind of ambient pieces, and it's all over immediately. That's the weakest of all of them, because it's, the, it's just that. This song rips, though. Sure does. I thought because of the artwork, I thought it was like in kind of like gonna be a companion piece to yeah. the previous level. Similar artwork, yeah. Same artist, I believe. No, no, I don't think it was the same artist. I forgot. I, mean, I should have read the art, <laughs> art notes. If it's not the same artist, that's fucking insane. Yeah, it was the same artist, Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas. Again, kind of uplifting. Yeah. Uplifting goth songs. Yep. It is called Love of Light, too. So. Love of Life, yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any more fucking encouraging than that. This is really one of the fastest things they've done since Phil. Like, yeah, this is, they haven't yeah. been this fast in a long time. I didn't even think about that till I don't know. Maybe, maybe some songs on the previous album. They had energy, but I don't think they were this fast. Okay. Still a fucking cool song. Worst. What? You're crazy. 
What? Worst? Worst. What? What? This is... There's some good songs on here. Yeah, there's some good songs on here. What the hell are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm walking over... Uh. Um, I... Boring is the the biggest thing. Oh, you're out of your mind. This, this album's... You know, you, I, I can... I can see an argument for another album being boring. (laughs) But to me, to me, this is the most boring thing they've done. What? Oh, you're, I mean, I don't even know how to approach that because it's like, how could you like the the last album so much and then not at least enjoy this one a little bit? I mean, they're, they're not like the same, but they have a lot of, they share a lot of things. I mean, I like it a little bit. I'm like, it's not a bad album, but you know, this is, this is the game we play. And this is what I think is the worst out of the albums we listen to. Yeah, it does have some, some flubs, but I think most of the flubs almost all the flubs are with the transition tracks. They're, they're all like three dashes inside parentheses and they're all separate into parts. I feel like that song's kind of an outlier. And if you don't like what this album is, what song's an outlier, the, Oh, that opening. Well, the, well, yeah, thing is they're all, there's they're separate into six parts. So, and they're all completely different. No, sorry. Sorry. Not that the, I don't count. Oh, you mean the title track title track. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, like that's kind of an outlier and then it's like every song is so similar to me and we talked about like how they don't really repeat themselves and this just feels like a lot of repetition and a lot of songs are are samey to me i suppose it i mean there's still it's it's not i don't feel it's any more samey uh than the last one because it does kind of alternate between these these dark depressing shit and then like high energy, uplifting, hopeful kind of things. Though I have problems with the pacing of it. Uh, the Golden Boy that was swallowed by the sea is like is this? I don't like it. I don't like it. Either. It's only song. It's only song song I don't like, and it's Jira's favorite song off the album. <laughs> which okay. I was like, all right, interesting. But that one, it's like, um, it feel that one has a weird lack of energy. It's like it, it just feels sluggish, which is I mean, it's I, weird coming from a band who is known for being slow, mm-hmm. but it, it just it, it just feels slower than it. That's slower, but it just, I don't know. It's, it's something I can't really put my finger on. Like I think the whole album kind of has lack of energy, and like um, this is what I was talking about when I was talking about uh, Burning World, where like I feel like there's some attempts to do normal songs or as normal as you're going to get for swans and they kind of fall flat where it felt endearing on burning world my my question is how can you say all those things to a song like in the eyes of nature that is that is like this era of swans at its peak that song is so fucking good i just i even i even wrote this is a fine song yeah, it's a fine song. But in the context of this album, it just drags and drags. Uh, I disagree so hard. So I do have problems, like I said before, problems with, with the pacing, but it's mostly because of the first chunk, the first half. Um, and, and it's a lot of that is because of the Golden Boy, the, the Swallowed by the Sea, and, it, and it, it being so close to the beginning of the album. But the the transition tracks, they're, like I said before, there's six of them total, and 
I'm like split. Like half of them, I think, are really boring and pointless, and they kind of could have just been. And they, they have, they're actually, you know, some of the the conversations that Jarbo's dad uh, mm-hmm. recorded. Like some of those are on; those are like actual conversations. But the other half, the more musical ones, are fucking awesome. Like two and three parts, two and three. Um, obviously they're they're all very very brief. They're all very brief. But part three is. To this day, unlike anything Swans have ever done, it sounds almost like almost indie. Put on put on part three. Um, because immediately it's like, wait, how is this the same band? Put on that uh that shitty band MGMT or whatever. Don't you dare <laughs> compare them to MGMT. <laughs> Look, you got these little <laughs> things. But this is lovely, and it's 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 just a transition song. We didn't it, way back it's all mood, but it's actually beautiful. If uh, people listen to the Mars Volta episode, then no, I'm not opposed to these soundscapes or filler transition things. I I don't know who can be listening to this and not enjoying it other than you. It's so pretty. It's so fucking pretty. It's it's like the actual songs. I don't mind those either. So uh, the other side of the world. That's another Jarbo Jarbo track. Uh, legitimately pleasant very hopeful still a little bit of heaviness in those drums it still has the swansiness in the drums uh, and i dug the sense i dug the sense on that one so i do like something's title track yes her tell me yeah i was gonna say tell me you fucking like her okay because that like song only, rules it's the only song with anger and aggression kind of yet the parts of it that aren't angry are so melancholy it, so somber no the song works so much sadder than like like the, the, the early stuff will, will pummel you into the ground and take away any hope you have for living. But these make you heartbroken. It's like a different kind of sadness. It's just, I don't know. And, and her I, is like a, is like a love song to, um, to Jero. And then, um, amnesia. Of course, I love that song. So yes, yes, you do. Yes. So, you know, there's Real some strong. good stuff on here. Um, uh, Swan's worst album is still better than a lot of bands' best albums. The the album I gave worst to is an album that I do enjoy, but this wasn't even in the running. Like it's not it's not as good as White Light, but I still like how they took a different approach. Like I, I like that there are the transition songs because there wasn't anything like that on on the I last know. well, none of them really. This is the first time I really dabbled with like the the sort short cinematic kind of things. And uh, speaking of the cinematic thing, like Amnesia, th- those drums, they're, they're so big and again, cinematic, uh, cinematic E, but it's like almost hard to, to figure out what the hell is being played or, or if there's like, if there's a samples or if it's, there's like delay on it mm-hmm. because, it, because of how, I don't know, machine gun it sounds. It's, it's like, it's a fascinating thing where it's like, it's not overwhelming, but when you, you isolate it and you just pay attention to the drums, like, wait, what the hell are they doing? Is that, it's, is it multiple drummers? Is that, there's a, is there a delay on there? What the hell are they actually doing? Uh, it's interesting stuff like that in, in these mixes, uh, part five of the transit, just transition tracks actually sounds super Asian. Um, mm-hmm. but with that really characteristic swans guitar tone, um, I love like those, some of these pieces are really fucking nice. I like that one a lot. Um, I, I, I do get 
some of the sameness and why you're not too big on songs like She Cries for Spider. Uh, but that one just reminded me of Cocteau Twins. Check out that episode. There is... Uh, I was saving it for some other songs. Um, but... But yeah, I think they do like ethereal better later on. Yeah, they do. Uh, but I don't think it's bad at all. And I do like the the more somber, mellow stuff on here. I, it, like I, the closer, is, I think, is very nice. Is that God Love? That's no, no. God Loves America is um, um, third to last. Okay, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's not, I think it's probably one of the weaker ones. God, yeah. God Loves America is another one that bothers me. Is like I know this is a song or a band that takes a while to get going. But once that song gets going, it's fucking over. And it's, yep, I agree. it doesn't feel clever to me. It's just like the final section is fucking incredible. And it takes, it takes a while to get there and, and it's over too quickly. And Mike's words has a bitch ass fade out on it. It does not have a bitch ass fade. No, it doesn't have a bitch ass fade. Bitch ass fade is when it's fading and it, it's like three seconds and it's like, Okay, it has a fade on it, though, and I don't like it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, part six of the tra- transition tracks, I think it's like more like a sound collage. Probably could I don't don't care much for it, but uh, the closer, No Cure for the Lonely, it's not one of their best, but it's, I think it's a fitting closer. It's on the night, the, the lighter side. It's in a, a solo acoustic guitar piece. Um, of course, Jiron vocals, but it's a nice, it's a beautiful album. I think it's very, very pleasant. It's... Uh, yeah, I was surprised that this is actually this one was popular and a lot of people's first first album by them. S- yeah, surprising me, although I guess a band that's this diverse and has been around so long, everyone probably has a different story and like what they think Swans is and what what's it is when they get into it versus mm-hmm. You know, if you've been around since day one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Jira wrote all these songs on acoustic guitar. Uh, it became his new method of writing. Um, and I, apparently he who's not very happy with the directions of the title track in Amnesia. Well, he said um, that they became this electronic beat thing, which is a really sad development. But somehow I got sucked into it. I think they came out pretty fucking cool, dude. You know, I, I wasn't going to nitpick it. But because uh, he said it, I do kind of wish the drums were a little more punchy on the title track. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, there's a lot of like driving snare. Um, still, so still a great song, despite uh, yeah. all that, though. Uh, Identity has um, like an like a eight year old boy um, singing on that one. On that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I actually do like it. I find it to be, it's despite the song being kind of on the light side, I do find it to be a little bit creepy. It, it's one of their more jammy songs. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's almost, it's almost like Swan Circus music, you know? Oh, it's that's part, why you like yeah, it. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but apparently, uh, uh, Jira said the, the lyrics wouldn't be credible delivered by him or Jarbo. So, so they found a boy of around eight through some friends to recite the words. Uh, he says, we brought him into the studio with his parents and walked through it line by line, sometimes even just a half line and then pieced it together. I like having someone sing the words while I'm just a producer. And well, eh, look at that. Um, I don't know. That feels oddly wholesome for such a dark band and <laughs> album and th- thematic or like lyrical themes or whatever. I guess he's getting there. He's, 
as emotionally stable. You know, he's making progress. He's. A, I think he's a, a really well-rounded, good person. Um, I I should be all of his the bad parts just booze, um, which is not uncommon and not surprising. But uh, so for this album, his intention was to create uh, quote an overall experience and have things flow into each other without without just crossfading. The ambition was a total mini cinematic experience to have pieces of cinema occurring where it doesn't really matter who is playing it. Uh, Tom comments that this album is not for the Spotify playlist stage and. The, it explains the transition tracks, of course, uh, and how even though I don't like half of them, the other half, I think, work perfectly for what he's trying to do, like just blending the whole thing into one whole, uh, even if you don't like the one whole that much. And also, yeah, that's not the part that bugs me. Like, I'm all for I'm all for yeah, the, the songs more. So, yeah, things. yeah. That's it. That's actually interesting because some of the stuff on yeah, some of the conversations on here were taken, of course, from her dad and his <laughs> spying. Uh, uh, Jarbo says uh, the interest in field recordings, bringing real stuff in. Some man who was wiretap makes an appearance. Me as a kid, um, me as a young girl, and her. Uh, to me, using the field recordings turns them into theater pieces. To me, that's what they were—a little scenes from a film. That's actually a interesting way to look at it. Also, like, probably some of the most personal recordings ever because an interview is one thing, but these are like, you don't know you're being recorded. You're this is you being, existing. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fucking wild learning that. God damn. Wild. But Alex is worst, but an album that is still good, and I think you could like it, even if he may not. It's it's my list. I'm sure plenty of people like this album. Uh, so after uh, around this time period, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're not covering. We're not covering the, the various failures compilation, um, but that com- that compiles stuff from 88 to 1992. And Tom notes here, he says, for anyone who enjoys this era of Jira uh, and Jabot, this compilation is great. The track order and selection was obviously done very carefully. A major contrast to all the Swans, the Swans records uh, lumped together uh, from like Greed and Holy Money on the CD versions. They're just mm-hmm. fucked up. Um, and he says, you get interesting alternate versions of Swans tracks as well as skin slash world of skin tracks that aren't so easy to get a hold of. It's pretty long. So by the end... Uh, of sitting through the whole thing it can feel like too much of a good thing but for all you modern swans triple album lovers that shouldn't be a major obstacle i feel like it's a jab at me i know that's for damn sure um uh but we have a couple more it's a big episode thank you all for sticking with us if you have this long uh but we got some more baby are you ready i'm ready a little bit of a gap from this one uh and the last which is um, i'm sure there's plenty to talk about there but this is 1995's the Great Annihilator. I love this opener. It sounds... Listen to it back to back. It does kind of sound similar to Love of Life. Yeah. This is a little, at least with the percussion, no Barker. Yeah, yeah. A lot of energy. Very tribal. 
but this is um this is in correct yes yeah this is it's a long intro essentially it's basically a long intro yes but it has that uh signature really gothy shiny bright production of this whole era Very repetitious, as we know from this band. Uh, it is kind of a return to form in that sense. In a lot of in a lot of ways, yes. Uh, so maybe we just put on a little bit of the the following track. Okay, a little bit of "I Am the Sun." If you miss the industrial stuff, suddenly it feels a lot more like earlier swans. It's not, but it's the most that we've heard, like, it's the most brutal thing we've heard in a long time. Also, to make this song more fucked up, I don't know if we're, there's like a, oh, there's like a children's yep. choir on. It's very creepy. Yes. It's very creepy. It's a great song. God, fucking damn it, yeah. God, man, they, they, I don't know how they do this. Always, they always manage to find this really fucking cool chord sound and just hammer on it for an hour. But the way they find these cool sounds, I don't know how they do it. Mm-hmm. These just unusual, bitter harmonies. To this day, they still find these crazy sounds, and they, they just, I don't know, it's special. Also best. I had a feeling. I had a feeling this... You this, don't fucking know me, Mark. Well, the thing is, this would have been best for me, too. Yeah. It, it, it's, it was between this and, and White, uh, White Light. Yeah. This is a very good album. It is the, the heaviest thing we've had, we've had since Children of God. That's for damn sure. I... Went through the gamut of emotions on this album. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Um, <laughs> this album really, really bummed me out. And I came to the conclusion that it's like, this is like doing shrooms with swans. You lose track of time. Sometimes it's too long. You're like, I just want to get out of here. Sometimes it's too fast. You're like, I can't believe that's over. Where did the time go? Um, and sometimes... If you have like a bad reaction to shrooms, you get fucking crippling anxiety where you just want to fucking jump out of your skin. And uh, I say that as a, a good thing for this album. I, I heard no bad things in that entire <laughs> paragraph. I, and yeah, I was this, I think by the end of it, just like blown away by the writing on this. These like, are fantastic songs. Yeah. Which is why you know split up my my um positive picks here and i'm just like i can't fucking deny how awesome the writing is on this album not a bad song on this album and it is a 
fucking long album with a lot of songs. I mean, all these albums have been really long, but, uh, and this one isn't even like longer than the others, but it's like, there's so much here. This is a hard album to dissect because there's 16 songs mm-hmm. and this is like, we, we've, we had a few short songs, um, at least more reasonable length songs on, on the last one for sure. But this one just hops back and forth between two minute songs and seven minute songs, like over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, and they all do such different things. Like, uh, she lives is man. It That's is the a, most chilling thing they've done in a long borderline scary. There's a lot of negative emotions attached to this band and these songs, but that is one of the most crushingly sad songs they've ever done. There is something about the songs on this album, particularly in this whole era, because I've always thought of Swans as a depressing band. Cause I mean, you get the early stuff and it's just, mm-hmm. you know, barbarism. And then this stuff, you get it on children of God a little bit. You get it on this one and you get it on the next one. The, there is true despair in these songs. You're hearing it and you're just like, oh, this is, I'm I'm currently dying. This is what I would hear as I'm leaving Earth and I, or maybe I don't want to leave Earth yet. Like you're I mean, like clinging to life. It's just so hopeless. Annihilator is in the title and I'm yeah. like two for two going consuming things with annihilator annihilation in the title and just fucking which if you haven't seen the movie annihilation it will annihilate it is a good movie Uh, but the whole vibe of this album is just so incredibly fucked man it yeah it it just it it's like depressing isn't even enough the right way to put it because it could make you it could make you depressed but but it, it makes you feel these just like just in intensely negative things because just the way that just the tonality of the whole thing but yeah there there are like moments of like where uh going back to mike's like clinging on to life thing where you're like did i just meet god right now of these like big like like oh yeah not they don't sound like that right that's what it feels like. Because there are moments of light on here for like not as many as the last couple, maybe, but they're th- still here. There's like the the craziest song on here is "Celebrity Lifestyle" because, like, obviously that doesn't sound like pop music, but that's what I think Michael thinks pop music sounds like. Celebrity lifestyle. Oh man, hard hitting, strong, but. Full of despair. <laughs> like not is not exempt from that. Um Mother Father does feel a little more upbeat. Yeah. At, at least in terms of the music. Well, also that's like the first time we hear Jarbo screaming. Yeah. And we'll hear some more range from her on the next album, but like she sounds fucking awesome. It's like, oh yeah, why why wouldn't she scream more, dude? Like that's what I'm, I want to hear her soul stuff now because like up to this point, we've only heard her doing really pretty angelic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the documentary, they pointed out how uh, Gira likes Gira, whatever. I'm going to mispronounce everybody's name. Um, how he likes um, like that awkward era Pink Floyd that I've always been a fan of too, like post Sid Barrett. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Before Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, it's, where the st- fucking Roger Waters was going batshit screaming. It's 
it's an interesting era of music for sure. And like, I've never, like, I never thought about it. And then on this album, I'm like, I can fucking hear the Pink Floyd. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and it's it's it'll be far from the last time. And yeah, Blood Promises does that for me, dude. Fucking so good incredibly atmospheric it's the first it's like the first moment of levity where they slow things down a bit on this on this album warm is uh not misleading like i am the sun it is actually a bright shiny moment in yep. this fucked up sea of darkness oh it, it is god that's that song that you have to fucking step aside and, and or take a minute and be like this the fucking range man like even in an album this crushing to have a song like that like truly uplifting it's fucking beautiful also this excellently placed like yeah. they're this in these like perfect moments where it's like you you fucking need that song yeah um and then i i like the the one-two punch of killing for company and mother's milk yeah because that part of the album feels very like dreamy where uh mother's milk is like hip or sorry killing for company is like hypnotic and then mother's milk you get the like ethereal song killing for company uh feels like another a little bit of a departure it's more on the post-punk side mm -hmm. uh i love it i love it it is so fucking depressing <laughs> i mean it's just like even when the song doesn't seem like it's going to be that much of a bummer there's like this ambient sorrow within it mm -hmm. uh and then in Mother's Milk, yeah, it's just, I think it's wonderfully produced. Uh, I love the way Jerbo sounds on there. There's like this weird emptiness in it. Uh, of course, I can't really pinpoint what that means. It just feels like, again, there's this, this strange hopelessness that's kind of reverberating the whole album. Mm -hmm. um, and then the title track is just fucking like, oh, oddly rocking, crazy psychedelic noise, but not not like feedback like oh jimmy hendrix no no noise like just a fucking like unique blending of of like noise rock and psychedelic stuff yeah there's almost like a a frig like an anthemic rock song underneath all these crazy samples and layers uh, <laughs> somewhere in here is a normal rock and roll album yeah <laughs> But we don't want that. Here. No, we're not interested. Uh, love the bass on the te telepathy. Uh, the vocals and layers around it make it feel way more spacey and moody than it is. But the bass on itself would fit right at home in like a noise rock song. Mm -hmm. um, Where does the body end? Which is what the doc was named after. Another very strong one. Um, and that's at that point in the album, like around the mother's milk area, uh, where things, the whole album just kind of like, it takes a, a step away from the, the brutal, depressing hopelessness. Mm -hmm. Um even though they're still depressing, but like toward the end, it kind of gives you a little bit of a break. Um, the first three quarters of the album is, yes. is pretty rough, but uh, I was not expecting the stand-up bass and flute on out on the closer. Uh, and it was some really gentle vocalizing from Jarbo. Not, not, no lyrics, just sort of like, just sort of, you know, vocalizing. I don't know what the other word is. I do. I do love like the bookends of in and out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good closer. I think it's very nice. Uh, the streaming version and the reissues add a live version of I am the sun uh, as a bonus track, which is unnecessary and kind of disrupts the flow. I think, um, especially when you have a track called out. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, it's a cool 
live track and it, it sounds way different than the the original it's also longer by like two minutes um but i, I don't think it, it needed to be i mean in terms of like a cohesive album i i, I would just kind of skip that one but yeah this one for some reason just depressed me the most out of all of them when it's arguably like the, the heaviest and, and most angry which typically i don't associate with sad <laughs> so much but mm-hmm. there's just something in these songs again like some real darkness and and this was re- i didn't realize this until right now this was released um alongside drainland uh Jura's solo album they were kind of like uh, i guess he called it like a companion piece okay and now i have obviously I have to hear that one now i'm just gonna end up being sad all night listening <laughs> to all these fucking swans and deer albums but uh this is like a dark period of the band. They were kind of going south and the morale was low and I can, I can, I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mike and Alex, how was your week? Fucking mainline swans and went to a Deaf Heaven concert. <laughs> we did go see Deaf Heaven last night. Going? How do you think we're doing? Uh, that, was a, that was a fun <laughs> show and thank you for the free ticket. <laughs> thank you, Hillary. Uh, yeah, thank you, Hillary. Um, so at this point... Uh, this is from Jarboa. The, the The financial strain was becoming a problem, as if it was never not a problem. But I guess here it's being it's fucking not cool. Yeah, she says I don't mean to be cynical or harsh or unromantic here, and I'm not trying to be noble either. But it's a fact that the economic pressures we were under were enormous. So much money was being spent keeping swans going. The pressure and the tension was constant. But then we would step out in front of an audience, and all those aspects were left behind. Ah man, god I feel damn, like I they, feel it. I understand that. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. I get it. Oh goddamn! You really just die trying to keep your art going because there's no way to support it. Uh, it's just self-sustain it or whatever. Shout out to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much, Patreonists. Jira uh, uh, acknowledges he wasn't dealing with things in the best way. He says, "I ended up living with Jarbo at her mother's house. That was humbling. Alcohol was an abiding presence." Uh, presence uh, a reliable friend of me ever since my early days in construction unfortunately i was at the persuasion that nothing else mattered to me except the work i had a love life and friends came and went um, but in the end i had this uh solipsistic view of the world in which it was just about the work and fuck everything else uh that really resonates uh that really makes a lot of sense where it's like you guys might as well not exist i don't even fucking know you really do exist all i know is i want to make this thing work and i have to dedicate everything to make this thing work mm-hmm. that is a well it's a surefire way to fuck up your friendships and relationships uh as i'm sure he he would agree with um let's see back in nyc the old the old band was getting back together with uh with algus and ted both involved uh at the beginning of making this album so they're they're back for a little bit um kizzy said uh algus kizzy's man with a name that wild, I don't even know what to call him. I think Al called him Al in the documentary. Let's just call him Al. Al says we were we were all so involved in that record. We rehearsed the heck out of it. It was five years after Children of God, but the sound was similar, and I was happy with where it was going. But he says, <laughs> but then the product that came out wasn't totally what I recall us rehearsing. Uh, apparently, uh, Jira took uh, what was more of a live band feel and took it into a different, perhaps more stilted and joyless direction. I can agree with the joyless direction. Also, what did you think was? <laughs> what did you fucking think was gonna happen? Yeah, you know, you shouldn't. You should have known, dude. <laughs> 
Okay, so right here um, around this time period, uh, Jira put together another iteration of Swans alongside Jira. Uh, the resulting tour would be used for half the live album Swans Are Dead, um, which Tom notes. He says, for what it's worth, probably my number three all-time Swans albums pick, incredible piece of work. The fact that this dude is such a huge Swans fan and an, a live album is his number three pick, I think we should all listen to Swans Are Dead. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. Um, Maybe not for a while, but... One day. When you're feeling a little better and ready to take the plunge into more swans, um, he says, uh, for any interested nerds, here are a few partly subjective notes about the live swans albums of this era of the band. So there's a, uh, the, I always felt the, the, the live swans albums to be a little bit more, I don't know. Like I felt more inclined to give them a shot because I usually don't like live albums, but I always felt more inclined to give them a shot just because they, they were such an intense band live or are an intense band live. But along with Swans Are Dead, there's Kill the Child, 85, 86, 87. Um, feel Good Now. Um, Anonymous Bodies in an Empty Room. And Omniscience. And apparently, which I didn't know, the fucking every, almost every Swan show ever recorded is you can get from Jarbo's website. And they're all sanctioned by Bajira. That's pretty cool. That's fucking, that's some Grateful Dead shit. That's crazy. I did not think they had them all there. There you go. So after this... We have one EP that we're not covering and oh, we're not covering various failures and uh, the EP uh, Dieter is zoo. I don't know. It's in German. All right. It's, it's the, the German named one, um, but we have loose ends episodes yeah. and one day we'll, we'll get around to it for sure. But um, there's like a lot of repeats on, on stuff like that. So that's why we, we didn't cover like world of skin or, or various failures, but uh, this EP it's 55 minutes. I mean, it's not an EP. By all definitions of the term EP, it is not an EP. But as Tom says here, he says, I suppose when your next album is over two hours long and you go on to make triple albums, under 60 minutes is just a brief interlude. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, uh, and apparently that the name in German means the door is closed and it's a very clear signifier of the band kind of running out of steam at this point but we have one album left this was alex's best and rightfully so it would have been mine too but the other the only problem i had with it um just too depressing no no i like i like the depression i'm a bad person i'm a fucked up person i like feeling bad but um i think as a as a a collective where i think white light was just exceptional in its in mm-hmm. its execution in its pacing uh that if it weren't there this would have taken it mm. it's just that one was just that good to me um and then i felt like this one was exceptional i mean is. they're both fucking phenomenal amaz- amazing albums we're we're splitting hairs here. yeah and that's what that's why we do this yes. to split the hairs but we got one left Oh my God, it's a big one, folks. And if you've been keeping track, you can kind of figure out a couple things here, how That's we feel about this. process of elimination. This is something. But is, it's not cut and dry for me. No, no, same. Yeah. But th- this is the longest album of this era. It is, a, it is one of the longest albums we've covered. Oh, I didn't know that. Probably, I think so. Like It's up there with like, uh, what's the fucking Clash album? Oh, Sandinista. Yeah, yeah. It's up there. Uh, but this is, here we go. This is, get ready for fucking two hours and 20 minutes, all right? Because that's how long this album is. This is 1996's Soundtracks for the Blind. I'm going to go with the second track, if you're okay with that. Sure. Because it's more of a song song. 
no shortage of soundscapes. It is this. Pat- yeah, practically pra- the whole album, like 50-50 split. I would say it's almost 70-30. Really? Yeah, maybe 50-50. <laughs> Might have been overshooting that one. So, this is a, I was a prisoner in your skull, correct? Yes. This is such a fucked up song. And it becomes a song, all right? Yeah. It takes a few minutes, and we're probably not going to get there, but the importance of it is it this really puts you in a fucking mood, in a weird, unsettling space. All of this weird ambience and white noise. So when the actual song comes on, it yes. has like it, it has this weird kind of I don't know expulsion of satisfaction. But there's fuck you. We gotta leave it. We gotta leave it. This is so fucked up. I love it. It's good. <laughs> love it. It's good. This is a very similar sound to what you hear in PT. Oh yeah, yeah. For those who know gaming, the scariest thing ever made in a video game. I forgot, this isn't a song. This is more of a song. I forgot this part doesn't last. It goes on for like another two to thirty seconds, then it then it ends, and it goes to something other. Yeah, well, it's so part of a. So this is that's a good example of what this album does and why it's such a difficult album. Worst, least favorite. Uh, least favorite because a lot of reasons. I would say there is a lot I like on here. I like this album actually a lot. And the songs that work for me fucking work. Oh, yes. Way more than what I gave worse to, obviously. But it's so uneven. It's so up and down. And I'm not opposed to some some soundscapey things. But on a fucking like quadruple album. Yes. It is exhausting this is one of the most exhausting albums that we've covered on the pod and not just because it's long but it's long and devastating emotionally mm-hmm. and then creepy and then a lot of times boring which is the only reason why i gave it worse this is the only album that has moments that bore me and or has moments i don't like and it's it because so the, the for those who don't know who haven't heard it this is like the least swan swans album even though it still definitely feels like swans um, these aren't really songs. There's only a, a handful of actual songs on this entire gigantic album. I th- I think the like crazy thing is there are like big fucking 
epic epic so uh, there's a few big things i want to talk about the the first one is like okay most of these are it's the most experimental swans album ever ever, Mm -hmm. out of all of them um even to this day it's super experimental and it has a lot of like the 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 conversation recordings uh, some of them from jarbo's father um some of the one like um how they suffer is a conversation with uh the uh interviewing his his dad Mm -hmm. um who's talking about how he's going blind and then uh jarbo talking her mother who was uh suffering from dementia or like she was you know getting worse with dementia so it's like these really interesting pieces where like you're hearing this real shit happening real shit is happening but that is not pleasant to listen to <laughs> and especially on multiple listens you're like i don't really find myself wanting to hear how they suffer very much e- even if you are a swan even if you are a swan fan however the songs on here are so fucking incredible and so epic and so lengthy uh, uh yeah like helpless, helpless child is oh my god 16 minutes yep and it fucking earns every, every minute of it. Fucking minute. That is one of the best songs they've ever done. It is one of the best song, maybe one of my favorite songs of all time. It is when I was talking about on the last album how just this the sorrow in the songs. It 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 channels something really primal and dark and, and really upsetting. Mm-hmm. That song is a beautiful example of that. So, uh, also, more Pink Floyd stuff on there. Like I can hear the. Um, I can hear it on that one too. So this song, it's yeah, it's a also, fi- also that's a fifteen-minute song. The songs before that are like three and six. When the acoustic guitars come in, it's just like oh, I needed that. I fucking needed the first acoustic. two track. Yeah, the first two tracks are really, really experimental and a lot of white noise. And there's like this dude on a, I was a prisoner of skull. He sounds like it almost sounds like he's doing a fucking Richard Pryor impression. Just the way he's talking. Um, it's just a very weird, unsettling experimental stuff, but helpless child comes in and it's like the first song song. It is one of literally two, two actual vocal performances from Jira on the first side. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the first side is 72 minutes. There's two songs where he sings, uh, like a straight regular s- song, but with these really crispy acoustic, it's just a full on dirge, acoustic dirge. And it, it does it for like seven minutes and it's beautiful. It's so devastating and beautiful. And then the, the remaining eight minutes or so, um, or yeah, seven and a half minutes or whatever, uh, it morphs into this instrumental punishing fucking heartbreaking piece with these awesome synth lines, really repetitive chorus drums. It just, Man, songs like that, I call them infinity riffs where you can play them forever and you'll never get tired of it because it just, it just triggers something in you mm-hmm. where you, you like the way it loops around, you don't want it to end. And there's no, like, there's a lot of, if you're an, an obsessive music listener, like we are, there's a lot of things where you hear a riff and you hear how it loops around and it has a lifetime to it. Like it has a set amount of reps before you're ready to hear something else. One album completely unrelated to this one that does this in a bad way that even though I love the album is rust in peace by Megadeth. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite thrash albums of all times, but every 
every riff in that song is played four times, mm-hmm. four times this, four times this, four times. And you, it, it becomes so predictable. It's like, do it three times then. Why not do it three times and like play with some expertise? Like we, mm-hmm. you're going to do it four times. Okay. I know exactly. So riffs like that, they have like a lifetime to it. Riffs like the one in helpless child. It doesn't matter how many times you play. It just, it just, it can loop forever. And those are like special riffs. I think Melvin's are really good at coming up with some of those riffs. Swans are obviously very good at that. Um, and songs like helpless child could be 15 minutes and it, it doesn't matter. It feels okay. Yeah. I always think of Al from sleep and home where it just can keep going on. Uh, for some reason, I just thought of a see you next fall from, uh, all them witches. Oh yeah. Where it's like, yeah, yeah you can, the song is like nine minutes, but it doesn't matter. You, you kind of want to hear that thing played re- repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a perfect song. Like help us child, I think could actually work as an introduction to someone who's never heard swans. Like mm-hmm. this is both sides of it. Like the really dark acoustic stuff. And then the punishing heartbreaking loud stuff. And, and it's, it's all in one amazing song. Now, if the rest of the album was like that, this would be best, <laughs> but it is not. <sighs> yeah. I I don't know what a track like Yum Yab Killers is doing here. Uh, For one, it's live. I think it's fine. It's, it's a cool song. It's just jarring. Very jarring. It's a it, really cool, really great drums. It almost starts out with like a drum solo, mm-hmm. which is something that you I never thought I'd hear from Swans, given the the way Jira yelled at his early drummers for, for playing too many, <laughs> for being too good. Also, that's kind of wild to want like two drummers. And this, like, no. Play simply. <laughs> Play yeah. the simplest things. But uh, Jarbo sounds fucking awesome on there. She's really harsh, really screamy. It's basically, that song is basically Swans doing noise rock. There, yeah, there's, there's like nothing wrong with it. It's just like in the context of. It's in the context, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Live Through Me is a, is a brief synth piece that actually feels as strong as a like helpless child. It has that same kind of. I don't know vibe to it, uh, but it's a uh, it's 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 two and a half minutes. It's like a thing where like I wish there was there was more like it on the album. Wish mm-hmm. there was more of that. It just goes by too fast. Um, the beautiful days is one of my like favorite. Yep, like s- score soundscape things. On oh this. yeah, it's just it's beautiful and unsettling. Um, yep. It just, it hit me away. Others don't on this. And it does. It also nailed the conversation type thing at the end. There's like a, a person who worked as a phone sex operator, just talking about the experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and the, their voices uh, sounds like it's artificially slowed down to make it sound a little, like a tad deeper than it, than it would be naturally. Mm-hmm. So it has this, um, um, what's the fucking word? Uh, androgynous quality to it mm-hmm. uh, and it's just along with like all the weird ambience and creepiness it's it's just unsettling it's very it's very well done for what it is and then you get volcano volcano <laughs> is annoying as fuck right please tell me you, you agree of course I'm not annoyed by volcano Mike oh my god that is it's we it's a weird song but I don't know I could see like i could see the argument being made it's a very bloated album yes but it's just like it's like you stumbled across like 90s dance music on the radio 
but there's other stations coming in. Yeah, the word starts bleeding together. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just like I'm like I'm for, I'm for it. Maybe maybe not on this. Maybe it should have been safe for something else. But also, I don't know if you're going all out. Might as well throw this on there. And that it when I, when you learn about how this album was made, it makes perfect sense why it's here. Yeah, but it it just feels so disruptive and like. I think it's e- it's it's easy and probably wise to separate this album into two halves. Listen to it straight through is a very, very rough go of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my first listen, well, I've listened to this album a lot of times, but for this episode, I separated them in halves for my first listen. And then when I was taking notes, I did a fucking marathon through it. And that was pretty demoralizing. But what I took away is like... The, the disc one or the first half is it's just so much more experimental and so much more abrasive and abrasive for swans. Mm-hmm. One of the most abrasive bands in the world and volcano just felt so like slapped in, in the, in the middle. It's literally right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. but it, it just, I, cause you had this, this, this trend of these really soul sucking songs and a lot of aggression. And then with those electronic drums, it just felt so silly and like, all right, I was in this weird, dark mood listening to this. And now I'm like, what the fuck? It just seems strange and kind of funny. And I, it felt weird to put funny in the middle of this insane darkness. Yeah, I don't, I didn't get funny from it. I felt but, funny just from the doots, 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 doots. I mean, it's pretty, it's dramatic. I don't know. It's just like there's so much shit being thrown at the wall. I'm like, why? Why not? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the, and every time you do get like some semblance of a melody or a song, it gets swallowed up by ambience like uh, Melothumb, which mm-hmm. follows it. It starts out with this really nice, dark acoustic guitar playing and it just gets absorbed by more ambience. Or like, I think all lined up is interesting in the sense that like you're like okay this this kind of a boring song yeah but then there's these elements where it goes heavy and i actually admire it just going heavy those few times i would love it if it did it more i yeah i can't say it's a hit but i like oddly fascinated by it I though those felt like uh that was being teased because mm. I was pretty much over at this point I was exhausted there was a lot it's a lot of you know spoken <laughs> word only I know it's like spoken word I was also exhausted I know but it's the spoken word thing over this ambience and it kind of dragged and it's a long song and it kept going well it's not that long of a song but like that part seemed to go on for a while and then when the heavy section comes in it's it sounds so it, it's really well done and it's mm-hmm. so powerful and it's fucking great it's like yes this is why swans are like the greatest at, at this whole thing and then it goes on it only goes on for like 30 seconds and it's back to the fucking the quiet boring shit I'm like no no and then it goes back to it again but again they do it in literally 30 second bursts mm-hmm. and a combined minute within a five minute song it's like all right it's a it's a net it's a net loss for me on paper, I find it interesting. In practice, in execution, tough. Some murky waters. Yeah, um, but I do like a lot of this ambience and a lot of this creepiness. Surrogate Two is really cool. Mm-hmm. I like the samples they use in that one. And even though I was I was talking about how they suffer earlier, and how I wouldn't want to hear it multiple times, 
it is good for that thing that it is the mm-hmm. conversations with their parents a really kind of fucked up tribute quote unquote to their parents <laughs> oh man the closer on the first half is animus which is um I w- it would have been fantastic if it was four minutes shorter i think <laughs> i i still loved it um i know you've described some songs as heartbreaking but up until this point, for me, the emotions have been like anguish and depression and anger and rage and depressing. But like, I'll say rarely, I don't want to say never, but this was the first time where I felt like actual like heartache. And oh, really? Like, oh, wow. It really came through on that song for me. So that's why that song stood out. It's yeah, it's the second and last straight vocal performance from from Jiro on this first half and around six the six minute mark is where it starts to get noisy and experimental and it kind of drifts off into something else but the first six minutes or maybe yeah the first six minutes is really fucking great every every song over 10 minutes on this album i love they seem to be they do seem to be the some of the best songs. Yeah. Actually, they are 100% the best songs. <laughs> That's so crazy. That the the ones that you think would be the most boring are like by far the best. Yeah. Um so now we're on to disc 2. So on to another well cuz Red Velvet Wound is more like this it's more experimental yeah, sound it, stuff. It's a Jerbo led one though. It has like, she's singing over it, but it's very dreamy. And again, more drowned in ambient stuff. Um, some harpsichord sounding synths. It's more of a sound piece than, than a song. Um, I bought up how the great annihilator sounds like you're on shrooms. Um, the sound, the song, the sound, the song, the sound is pink floyd on mescaline Ooh. uh i i had an awful experience doing shrooms where i was introduced to noi and it just oh right remember this check out episode of noi the way i felt during that noise that noise song yeah is what this actually is oh oh Sober. that's fucking hilarious yeah <laughs> um jesus christ being sober i could actually digest it and appreciate it and yeah. it's i don't want to like tear my flesh off listening to it so that song i mean there's a lot of western raps on that one for one it's 13 minutes it's phenomenal mm-hmm. uh wonderful build, build up um at around it Okay, eight minutes in, you start to get these these really heavy tribal drums. Uh, it is fucking awesome. It is one absolute highlights of this whole album. Yeah, again, all all the te- ten minute and over songs fucking rule on this album. And while we're talking about ten minute and over songs, we might as well talk about the final sacrifice. Um, it is uh-huh. live. But it sounds Dude, really I, good. I didn't even know that because I thought it sounded so fucking rad. It sounds great. It sounds absolutely great. Um, this one is uh, the shortest, the shortest of all the long ones at ten mm. minutes twenty seven seconds, and I, th- this should have been the closer. Like looking at the the actual final two tracks, they're they're more transition cinematic. No, I I mean the way this album is laid out, I knew that. Like, even before I got there, I knew that it was going to end with, you know, experimental noise Yeah, but stuff. I know, but it should have ended with the final sacrifice. It just, it has that, 
It's not even like an epic the word song. Final is in it. I know, but it's also like really kind of poetic, given this the last album before they broke up. Mm-hmm. But that song, man, it's like super psychedelic. There's a lot of space in it. The love, the fucking xylophones. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's xylophone, and I didn't realize that. I th- I always just thought because you hear some of that stuff on this album and uh, other albums. I always just thought it was just oh, it's probably just another synth. I think it's an actual xylophone. It might be. I'm pretty sure the the, the drummer. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I'm forgetting who drum. There's a million drummers on this. This is all of these songs were taken over the course of maybe years. Maybe if you scroll down a little. Uh, no, because th- all these songs were put together oh, by, okay. over the course of the whole. This is like vibraphones. Maybe that's it. That's probably it. You know yeah. what? That, that is it. It's from Larry Mullins. Told, told you. Yeah, we go. All I do is scroll. <laughs> I'll use a little help from your friend to push you to scroll. But. That song is fucking awesome. It's very, very, very cool. Um, and I love jo- uh, Joe's performance on that song. But back uh, to the, the the rest. Not a lot of upbeat things on here. Absolutely not. Blood section. You do get a little, some energy. It is one of the few moments of levity, for sure. Um, it is big, full, beautiful. It, it's uh, hopeful, even. It, it, it's unbelievable. It's fucking two and a half minutes. It, this one, I mean, you really could have milked that one. <laughs> it, it is. Um, and then there's a few like outliers on here that are kind of just like probably could have been cut but i i still appreciate them um hypno girl yeah which is like this rad kind of like evil snotty yep like if witches played punk rock music and hypno girl Dude, about Hypno Girl, I don't want to move on with that just yet. That is unlike anything we've ever heard from Jarbo. That vocal performance is something we've never heard from her. Very snarly, very witchy. And I learned in the doc why she's saying that way. Why I didn't is even, that? I didn't even... Because when I heard I was like, this is uncharacteristic. What happened, I think she had just gone through a rough thing involving her mother and her health. And she had to go record mm-hmm. like that song. So... She drove to the studio and she had to like quickly get to performance mode. So she chugged a book, a whole bottle of whiskey. Oh shit. And the beginning, you know what? I'm going to ask you to put on Let's the beginning because before you, before you press play, we've already been here 10 hours. I know. What's what's 10 more before you press play. The, the noise that she makes is directly after chugging a bunch of hard liquor. I probably didn't even notice. So this is good. All right. I'm ready. I love her so much. Yeah, it sounds. And yeah, and uh, she's never sung like that before, and it's a very fucking crazy song. Yeah, if you if you if you want to be like picky and like kind of arm armchair uh, quarterback, quarterback here, yeah. like. Probably make an argument for it being cut, but it's just so unique. Yeah, I'm glad it's there. I like it. I think it's a very strange song, and it, it it's another. It's a short song too. It's like a, it's another side of their personality, and, and especially hers. And then I lo- I love empathy. Like oh, rules. Uh, rules. I know you bought up some like pointed out some other like western, but that is full blown own evil cowboy western stuff that's that's all what michael looks like is that that song it is 
heavy, morbid, fucking emotional, very slow. It is pound you in, into the dirt swans, but it's it, love it. Love it. And, I, and the more I talk about it, and I felt like this, um, obviously, when taking notes, the second half is really the music half and it is really the better half. Mm-hmm. But what keeps the first half interesting is obviously the the big songs are incredible mm-hmm. and then some of the some of the ambient stuff is actually quite moving and strange but side two is like yeah this is side two quite is strong a little more strange strange but it has more music to it there's yeah. more it's just more there's just more songs instead of just ambience there's still a lot of ambience but uh, speaking of which i love you this much yeah. is the most anxiety i've ever ever felt explain that it's it's just anxiety inducing soundscape i i had it on when i was driving and i had to i had to skip it i couldn't <laughs> shit it's fucking something about that this fucking drove me up a wall oh fuck i found it to be more boring than than unsettling fuck i wish i thought it, i genuinely <laughs> wish i thought it was boring that is something i never thought i'd ever hear you say that's yeah. hilarious. that's crazy that that song made you that uncomfortable that's how uncomfortable i and i call it a song loosely but yeah it's not really not yeah. really uh but i mean as i'm looking at my notes man i do like most of this and even um fans lament is it's again it's it's a minute and a half but it's fucking awesome it's it's a full band it's really heavy on the acoustic guitars it's on the happier side but it's stuff like this that could have been fleshed out or I, I obviously couldn't have, but you know, I felt that way about secret friends. And even though yeah. it's three minutes, that's arguably a full song, but it, it does kind of just feel like the, like, Oh wait, you're gone already. I, I thought a we, lot. Yeah. That's another reason why I had to give this worse is, is not just because of the, the long lengthy ambient kind of boring parts. The stuff that is legitimately great is gone immediately. And it's not like that was, intentional this is put together from mountains mountains fucking suitcases full of old recordings mm-hmm. and made into an album and it's kind of incredible he was that Jiro was able to do this but those songs they, they literally didn't have anything else to them like that like they weren't recorded there wasn't more recorded them so um he was just really cl- this whole album is just him tying up loose ends um which is why a lot of stuff feels incomplete. I mean, this is if if you're a fan of this music, which I'm assuming you are, if you're still listening, um, it's like a hundred percent worth a listening. Hundred percent. It's just, and it's bold, and like I'm fucking glad it exists, but like, it is exhausting. And of all the albums I've ever given worse to, this is one of my favorites. Like, <laughs> like I like this album. I've heard this one a lot of times before yeah. this episode. Uh, it's just a tough listen, and it's not even remotely accessible, and it's very lengthy, and a lot of it will make you feel bad or bore you. But the stuff that's that hits is just so incredible. It's just so incredible. But so... Jiro explains uh, the whole thing behind the album, which does make sense. He says the sound pieces that bleed out from one song into an, and into another that started in white light and uh, really was the, the germination for the entire notion behind soundtracks for the blind. Um, I started to just concentrate on those. Fuck the songs. I'll work with these things. <laughs> so I started making these little cinematic soundscapes and that explains a lot of this, it. It really sounds, uh, I get that a lot from, um, like I mentioned earlier, live through me, where it's like, it's just a, it's just a synth piece. It's just a mm-hmm. synth by itself, but it it really it's super cinematic and it feels like 
I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion in there. Um, so Chris Griffin engineered this album and, uh, he says he, uh, he remembers uh, Jira calling him to use his digital mastering studio. He arrived uh, with a shoebox full of DAT tapes and cassettes. Uh, they'd put pieces on, on the computer, manipulate the audio, loop them, then get different pieces together and uh, fill up eight channels with sound. So this is this is interesting. I want to talk about this. Um, Jira says, we'd have to dump that back down, much like the Beatles did on Analog 40 years before. We take what we'd made, mix it together, make that a stereo file, then start a new session in the computer with that file and start adding to that. Now that may sound like a bunch of gibberish. That is how I made my EP. <laughs> it, is, it is when you don't have access to infinite tracks, mm-hmm. which I did not. And they did not because of the technology of the time. So also probably budgetary. Uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they're doing it. If they're doing it on analog, then it was probably a hardware limitation mm-hmm. because what you do is, you record, you fill up all your tracks. So you have like, like they did, they have eight tracks. You have eight different files, eight different pieces of music. You're blending all these things, but you're not done. So the only way to do it is to fucking bounce that. So you have a brand new stereo file and then add eight more on top of that, that one, and then do it forever and ever and ever. <laughs> um, and you could hear that with a lot of this stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of tracking. Uh, so according to, uh, to Larry seven, uh, volcano, your favorite and my least favorite. Uh, he says uh, it was meant to go out on something like a, a woman in rock compilation. Uh, it was it was just him and and Jarbo, her voice and keyboards. And apparently, uh, she was singing through a fucking drain pipe or something. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, That's so she, yeah, she, weird. Yeah, she put her voice through a drain drain pipe with a loudspeaker on one end and a microphone at the other. So that's why her voice sounds all like like a drain pipe on that song. Uh, but yeah, th- this was really just Jira just trying to get um i think i forgot i think it was in the doc he said i needed a reason that i i needed to, i needed to feel okay throwing all of the all of this music into a dump mm-hmm. and he says after we recorded the album it's the first thing he did like he immediately all those tapes all those fucking mountains of tapes he immediately threw them all out and i totally get that where it's like no, there's something here. We we spent years recording these half songs and these ideas. They gotta go. They have to go somewhere. Uh, even though you don't really want to keep making the making or didn't want to keep the band going, but you didn't want to have that fucking thing still lingering and yeah. still eating at you. So apparently, this was a huge undertaking and a very exhausting album to make. And he's, uh, it feels like it. Yeah, uh, and the fact that it's this good is actually kind of incredible. Like this is snippets this from a is, million different sources floppy disks even it's definitely an album to be studied and talked about for sure and except for the big long songs which should be enjoyed because there you go they are that good uh man god damn i mean the your least favorite my worst and least favorite but it's still a very moving fascinating album. very fascinating I'm say fascinating album Fascinating album. Only for the most dedicated of weird music fans, though. This is not uh it's not Baby's first noise rock album. No. Absolutely not. Um, but well, they would break up after this. And uh I uh, according to Tom, uh, he says Jira recounts the last days of Swans in a typically understated fashion. Uh Jira says, I just squeaked a last cry in a release soundtrack for the blind and swans are dead, and, and just quit. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, for Jarbo, that was a blindsiding 
upsetting thing to happen. She says, from my perspective, things were looking up. The 95 and 97 tours were better experiences. We were finally getting where we needed to go. Nobody consulted me at all. It's It, it shocked people that I wasn't included in the decision. Dang. And that's one thing that um, she says in the doc, uh, that people think Jarbo and, and Jira breaking up was what ended Swan. She's like, nope. Swan's breaking up is what ended the relationship. You know what? Because I could tell she had that like enthusiasm and passion for the band from the get go. Like I could totally see her being like, oh, no, this because we're done doesn't mean this. Yeah. Like, like, I really think she this like loves and believes in the band and even the concept. She sacrificed everything to to fit to be with this band yeah like she left all of her family and everything she she lived in fucking absolute filth and poverty she like sacrificed everything clearly she would have gone down with the ship uh but from jira's perspective it's like i'm i'm i i spent 15 years trying to build this band and it got me nothing. It mm-hmm. failed. It was a, he says, he says, I considered it a complete failure. Nothing I worked think out. I think that's fair to feel that way. Yeah. He was, dev- even though like from her perspective, like they were playing to bigger crowds than they've ever played to before, mm-hmm. but what he gave up in the process, it was just like, that's not enough. Not worth it. Yeah. It was just too much. And um, he said, um, I'm still going to make music i'm still obviously gonna make music but the name swans has too much attached to it Mm -hmm. people think of something when you when they see swans i can't have that anymore Mm -hmm. i'll ultimately even though i don't like that jarbo wasn't is not involved anymore or whatever and that they broke up it seems like the absolute right move like for them to break up at that time oh yeah that like that makes complete sense to me and i understand like um one not being fulfilled because you put so much in but then it's so it almost sounds contradicting and then two for the people who do like it or the people who do know it has this fucking weight to it and you feel like you can't yeah you're not gonna live up to it or it's just too it's too much you don't want you don't want it anymore yeah, uh, and th- but then you look at how they are now. That wouldn't have happened if they would stay together. I don't, obviously, I don't think so. I've, I will. I could never know. No one could ever know. But sure. it doesn't. It, it feels like the people needed to discover Swans on their own as this band that broke up and that did this crazy thing in fifteen years. And then when they came back as a you know a brand new thing, um, people were like, "We're not missing them this time. We're not fucking. We're not missing this." Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so after this, uh, he wanted to form, like you mentioned uh, a few times, the Angels of Light. Jerbo continued to make uh, solo records and a bunch of collaborations. Uh, Tom says, for anyone curious to sift through her huge and varied catalog, I recommend uh, Anhedoniac, the Men album, and the Neurosis co- collaborations as her best. That, that was the very first time I heard her and why I, I sought out um, Swans. That'll do it. Because I was like, who is this woman? Yep. And then... Uh, and, and he says even her recent releases have, have mostly been really good too uh which is very cool i believe it when you you know she's she's a musician through and through and very fucking great yeah she i'm surprised at how like because you never hear i've never saw an interview with her before the doc i was like man she's really lively and like 
she's she's about it. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how about it she was. Like, yeah, she's she's a fucking real deal. Um, according to to, to Ted Parsons, uh, um, a long time past where all the record label mess. Um, with, with all the record label mess, Manjira uh, had a hard time figuring out who he owed money to. And this calls back to the thing I mentioned earlier. Um, Ted said, I know Harry Crosby wanted to kill him, whoever that is. I think one of the guys, I'm assuming one of the dudes who worked in the album, uh, but Michael tried to make everything right. I even got paid $500 for that drum beat I did on Holy Money. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> God damn, that is, that's more than fair. He goes out, very fair. Yeah. Very fair. The man goes out of his way to make sure his people are paid, even if he verbally abuses him in the process of it. Like, I, I, dude, that's how you got to do it. Pay your people. Make sure they're taken care of. Uh, and especially if they're doing something for you, that's very fucking difficult. And you know that you're being difficult. And we, with that, we are done. My brain is melted. Melted. Thank you so much for listening and watching and hanging out with us. This is, uh, people have been waiting for this one, uh, of course, since the first part. And the third part will be just as thorough <laughs> and intense. But this was so much fun. I look forward, I was looking forward to this. Uh, I love talking about Swans. I love talking about any band I like. But this is, uh, this is one, of the, one of the greats. Truly one of the greats. And with that, we should probably do a little bit of recap. Yes, we should. Yeah, yeah. Personal favorite, Children of God. Every track is somehow the most flawless, easy listening. <laughs> I'm using that real, real loosely. Yeah. Um, love of Life, worse. It's the most boring to me. I don't have an issue with the soundscapes. It's the actual music that underwhelms me uh the great annihilator best just blown away by the songwriting start to finish a whole a range of emotions how i imagine manic depressants probably feel and then my least favorite just because of the sure audacity and the way it beats me down soundtracks for the blind Hell yes, you went for the, the full gamut, full all four picks. For me, the minimum two. White Light from the Mouth of Infinity, best personal favorite. The I feel like the perfect evolution of this entire era. Like this, the, the absolute highlight of it. Beautiful, moving, devastating, powerful. Uh, a perfect response to the Burning World, even though I did like the Burning World as well. And soundtrack for the Blind, worst and least favorite. I still like it. It's just the most difficult Swans album probably ever. Um, intense, amazing in certain areas, but drags on and a little too far into the experimental part for my taste in the other side, on the other end. Let me say, I didn't know how these picks were going to shake out, but right when soundtracks for the blind ended, it was like just clear as day for some reason. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was a crazy epiphany to have. And I, I double checked with myself. I was like, no, yeah, that's right. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I was up until I, I think cause I already, I already heard that album up until great annihilator. That's how I was feeling. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I, yeah, after, after finished great annihilator, I was like, okay, I think I've settled. <laughs> uh, but thanks so much for listening and watching and hanging out. Uh, like the video if you liked it subscribe yada 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 leave some comments leave your picks for best and worst leave some anecdotes about this era of swans we want swans fans these are the people we need hanging out with us uh and if you stuck with us to the end you're already pretty fucking rad 
So do that, please, and thank you. You can find a full Spotify playlist on this era of swans in the description. There's a link to that. We got plates associated with most episodes. You can find all those at everyallmember.com. Please follow me on all social media at Pandermonkey and Alex on Instagram at every album alex hell yeah please be sure to follow and, and uh, check out our history guy tom osmond he's done a ton of work for us i mean this episode alone he <laughs> fucking he did a lot uh so find all his music stuff at tom osmond um as well as his substack tom osmond.substack.com and his debut album so much for all in a day's work and you can find links to all that in the description and uh while you're at it Check out my EP, all right? Uh, it's very cool, too. Pander Monkey, self-titled. You can find a link to that in the description, too. And uh, last but not least, not least, patreon.com slash every album ever. That's our bread and butter. That's where we survive. You've got uh, bonus episodes there. You get to see our schedule in advance. You get to vote on polls, decide who we're covering next. You get to join our, our Discord, be a part of our community, as well as suggest our EAE singles episodes, uh, which... Uh, I mean, beginning of the year, we're 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 we're, being, we're being, trying to be on top of it. We're trying to cover these motherfuckers as they come out. So, so if you have any ideas yeah. of, of albums you want to see us cover that are coming out or soon to come out, go there for that. Also, I'm trying to stay on on top of that. One did slip through the cracks already, though. Oh, really, dude? Fucking Viagra boys. Damn it. Damn They're it. machines. They really do put out a lot of fucking like records. an album a year. Jesus Christ. Uh, fuck. And also, 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 also. If you're tier two, then you can suggest a full ass discography for us to cover on our bigger, longer episodes. Um, not as many albums as Swans, preferably, because that requires multiple parts, and that's insane. We but- we chose we chose Swans unless you have some insane amount of money. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. we have to manage our actual yes. lives outside of this pod. Well, right, these man, these, it took us two weeks to do this episode. Like we, it takes so long to pre- prepare for these. Um, and digest and listen, take notes and, and make sure we remember what we're talking about. It's not just listen once and talk about it. That's fucking insane. No, no, we've been called idiots before, but that's very true. But for different reasons. All right. But it, trust us. We're thorough. <laughs> fucking have listened to everything. Oh, absolutely. Multiple times. Um, but go there for that. Thank you. Please. And thank you. Thank you. Please. And thank you. Okay. Now I didn't even think about last song. Um, and I feel like we sh- I, I should have thought about it more. I let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> so fucking exhausted. I will just let you have whatever the fuck you want. And this is where you're not gonna like me. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. <laughs> oh boy, I. I'm sorry to do this. Let's do it. Helpless child. <laughs> Go for it. I don't. I don't got anywhere to be. Let's do it. It's off the album I gave worst, but it is a perfect song, and it's 15 minutes of so strap in, folks. Uh. This is. <laughs> Helpless child. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and watching. See ya.
Feed me with gasoline. 